He's like the naked gun guy watching Platoon and just yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. dead inside. Yeah. This is hilarious. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from Cinema Sins, joined as always by the voice of Cinema Sins, Jeremy Scott. What up? And from music video sense, Barrett Cher. Hello there. Exciting podcast today, yeah. guys. We got Woo-hoo. some guests today from the Modern Horrors podcast. Yeah. We have Luke Rodriguez over here in the corner who's going to gonna blow away all of our voices throughout this entire thing. <laughs> I am jealous of your voice, Luke oh, Rodriguez. Man. No, no. I mean, I was, I was just thinking about the uh, the fellow next to me. I mean, he. I mean, th- that's a voice for radio right there. It's a face for radios as well, but uh-huh. I mean, it's... Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> saved, it. saved it. So, so, yeah, what you're saying is we've got two voices we're going to be like jealous of all the way through this, <laughs> this side of the room is just stacked anyway just luke, <laughs> luke rodriguez's partner in crime on modern horrors jacob hopkins yeah. what's up at least i have the beard to envy in the room oh so, my god sorry Barry, sorry jacob ha- jacob has the best beard in yeah. the world yeah it's uh it's unbelievable i'm in a good position too because i have jacob on my left and luke on my right and i am the meat in mm-hmm. the modern horror sandwich. That is <laughs> correct. Me. That's what we've always wanted to be. It's what we've aspired to do. Um, but uh, uh, first off, we're going to continue with the series of best of the years we've been alive, and we're going to do 2001 today. Are you listening to me? Yes, I am. I think you're having a nervous breakdown. Ah, uh, hello, Clarice. Classes will dull your mind. Destroy the potential for authentic creativity. Mr. Potter, our new celebrity. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. You shall not pass! Yeah. 2001, not a great year at all. This year actually pissed me off. Yeah. Yeah. 2001 is a bad year for a lot of reasons, but uh, movies uh, were not very good in this year at all. Um, so uh, do we want to start off with best picture, a beautiful mind? Here? Sure, sure. I never have liked this movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. you do hate <laughs> like mentally disabled people. That's one so that part of it. That's oh. one part of it. Like I, I could not get through. I could not get through. There's something about Mary because of that. It was so awful. Um, um, yeah. A beautiful films. mind. I saw it once and that was probably too many times for me. Mm-hmm. I don't hate it, but it bored me. Yeah. It yeah. bored you? Yeah. Oh, man. I like this movie a lot. Now, you it's just, not just oh. like math. Maybe that's it. I do like math. All right. And uh, I actually had the opportunity to uh, meet the real John Nash. Uh, oh. When this premiered, he had actually come down to Nashville uh, to do a premiere. I don't know if it was the premiere. And I was working at the psychiatric hospital at Vanderbilt at the time, and I was running a group, and all of a sudden, John fucking Nash walks in to the <laughs> unit. So I took him on a tour of the unit and showed him one of the rooms, and at you Vanderbilt- took him got- on a tour of your unit. Oh, yeah. No, that happened. <laughs> uh <laughs> But at Vanderbilt, they've got nice rooms and everything. And he was in these like state facilities where they were doing awful things to him. And I was like, you know, here's our thing. He's got a, a bathroom and everything. He's like, it's a hell of a lot better than what I experienced. Oh, my God. Like, oh, oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Moving on. But uh, no, I actually like the movie. I think they get schizophrenia really, really right. Uh, John Nash actually just died a couple of years ago, not of any. Uh, disease or anything he died in a taxi car wreck oh uh, yeah that's his, right with his wife in new york 
Uh, but it's uh, Russell Crowe's Damn. performance is amazing. Ed Harris is amazing. Paul Bettany is really great, and Jennifer Connelly. I think it's a well constructed movie. It's not great, but I think it's really good and really accurate with the the content. Yeah, Use promo code Nash for a ten percent off your next Uber ride. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. Oh, oh. <laughs> but you think it's so popular? You think it's popular because it was uh, based on a true story? Um, I think Barrett liked it because he met the guy in real life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, he's right. There are great performances in this. I, I just, I, I think there's a, a, a letdown in the real story in that his, his, you know, all this, the stuff that he's doing with the numbers actually isn't getting, leading to something that's like what he thinks it is. You know, like there's some, there's some sort of, no, I see what you mean. Yeah. I know that's not fair no, at no, no. all. It's yeah. not fair at all. But it feels like it's a letdown. We are let down as well as he is once you know we find out that all of this is like not really. Yeah, you know. I mean, but it's also hard to condense game theory into like a profitable <laughs> movie. Too. You're so right. They, Which they maybe where you stop and go, why are we things. making this movie? Right? Yeah, I guess. But I mean, it is such an amazing story. I mean, this guy won the fucking Nobel Prize while being actively psychotic. Well, yeah, and so. Russell Crowe was at the height of his popularity here. He'd just come off Gladiator. Mm. I think a lot of this movie's popularity was just him he was a big draw yeah. ron howard was a bigger draw at this point than i think he has become today yeah well, he he had just done the grinch the year before we had we had didn't talk about the grinch <laughs> <Damn last God>. <laughs> <laughs> how did we miss that yeah. um but uh but he it's one of his biggest hits of all time is the grinch and then he does this right after that and ron howard's always been that type of director for me where it's just been like he's He's never been terrible. He's never been great. Like a couple of times he's been great. Yeah. But most of those movies are just kind of like in the middle for yeah. me. And he's great in that Jamie Foxx video, Blame It on the Alcohol. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's absolutely my favorite great in Arrested <laughs> Development. Yeah. 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 Oh, he's uh, that's some of his best work. And that one show, um, Happy Days. He's yeah. Awesome on that show. And, and, and Andy Griffith's show. Yeah, while he's we're had at a hell of a career. And, yeah. He has. Like you can't. That dude works, man. He's yeah. been busting tail for 50 some years. Um, All right, let's move on because we've already spent too much time on a beautiful. Absolutely, <laughs> this was a huge year for the fantasy genre because we had both Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, or Harry Potter and the Philosopher's, the Philosopher's Stone. Stone for everybody else in the fucking world. Mm. If you're and, an educated country, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you ain't uh, American. Well, of course, when we did this sins video, we pissed so many people <laughs> off. By like, I think we like had a strike through on philosophers. Like, the <laughs> sorcerers is the real name. <laughs> well, we have a good track record pissing off the British. Yeah, that's for sure. we do, we do. <laughs> but that came out and Lord of the Rings: Fellowship of the Ring. Um, yeah. But um, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. What do we think about the good start to the franchise? Right. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons, one of the things I like about the Harry Potter franchise in general. Now, I'm one of those people who never read the books, so I don't carry any baggage into that. But I feel like. Uh, it ages along with its characters. So uh, the the episodes, the movies began to get a little darker as he got older. Uh, and I really enjoyed that they were able to do that. And this first one is just pretty much pure, wholesome, wand-waving fun. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not a little kid. Uh, I don't go back to that first one very much. But I remember thinking it was well done. It was a good introduction. Yeah. Yeah. It's nowhere near the the, the other ones that come out later. Right. Like this is a, a you know introductory. This is beginner's Harry Potter. Yeah. You know. It's beautiful. It's yeah. a really pretty movie. Yeah. And the, what a trailer. That trailer was yeah. amazing. When they had the great hall yeah. and all the candles up there. And the score, man. That's one of my all-time favorite Great uh, theme. Themes. Really yeah, great yeah. theme um, that ha has been real, well used. All eight yeah, movies. Yeah. Uh, lots of variations. Excellent music. 
music. I'm, I'm a big fan of the movies in general. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people think I'm not, I guess because of the Sins videos. Yeah. But if I'm flipping so, past Order of the Phoenix and oh, I know yeah. it's anywhere near the yeah. last 20 minutes, Order I'm Phoenix parking that Especially right that there. part, yeah. Uh, Luke, Jacob, what do you guys think? Harry Potter. Man, so I read all the books. one one In one week, I was like suffering from pneumonia or some shit, so I just powered through all of them and her writing does get better so i feel like the movies do parallel that as they get better but so did her writing and yeah, i mean i'm not yeah. the biggest i am a huge fantasy nerd so mm-hmm. right here in my pocket but uh <laughs> i wasn't the biggest harry potter fan but it's awesome it's cool I, and I'm, I'm like you yeah, i'll stop if there's something on definitely the later ones not really so much the early ones this may be as good a time as any to to, to get in another jab at the harry potter world at universal studios in orlando florida <laughs> which is a giant waste of space in my opinion ah. you either want to stand in line for three hours to ride a roller coaster yay <laughs> or you're walking past like 90 of what you see in that park is just a facade there's no store there it, it just looks like Harry Potter world, mm. and I paid 60 bucks to get in there. <laughs> yeah. And then they give you butterbeer, which is basically a diabetic coma in a cup. Um, I hated Harry Potter world. <laughs> I hate, And I hated the regular... I'm sorry, Universal. I like your movies okay, but the theme parks really didn't do it for me. Well, no. I, I gotta tell you, you're doing it wrong, okay? So, what you gotta do, and I, I swear to God, I've done this before, me and my brother, you, you gotta get a cane, okay? That's step one. You get a cane. I and, like where this is going. And or, <laughs> and or rascal. Okay. Chris is already hating so you, though. You get these. You go to customer service in the little the little hut in the middle of the park, if you will, uh, and you have some sort of limp, right? And then you say, like, you have a this medical condition where you physically cannot stand in line, right? My brother's a chubby guy. He's he's got weight problems. He can't stand here for six fucking hours. You want him to die in your park? No. So what they do is they give you they give you this pass to where you go in the exit. Of the ride, and you don't have to wait for a fucking thing because you got an obese boy. But I have to wow. lose all goddamn day. Yeah. And, wow. And step two, you gotta have an obese friend. But if you have those two <laughs> this things, this is like the prestige level of commitment <laughs> yeah. to your trick. No right? kidding. You're like the old Chinese guy with the water between yeah. his legs. You yeah. live your trick when you do this. this you way. have to want it. You yeah. have to want it. Yeah. Oh, I don't want God. it that bad. Okay. Well, yeah. This I is can, a plan that starts well beyond the parking lot. I like, can take a two hour drive and hit a Six Flags and ride a roller coaster if I really care. Me. Me and my brother, twelve, and like you know, he's like seventeen. Like we're fucking storyboarding this, like in my mom's room before we go to, to Six Flags or something. Like we would do this every time we went somewhere. It worked every single time. Yeah, yeah oh because you're God. preying on the basic decency of people. Fuck yeah! yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm complimenting you. I'm not really criticizing. Just you. Stick it to those fuckers at Universal. That's what it is. Let's talk about Lord of the Rings Fellowship. Oh yeah, we got to talk. about That's Lord not of Universal, Rings. but mm. it's uh, it's New Line Cinema, and which somehow made all three of these movies and then like went bankrupt like a few years later seriously like that comes to show oops yeah exactly (laughs) what Um, happened yeah you gotta have fellowship in my opinion to have anything that comes after it Mm -hmm. but it holds none of the action that you get in two and three yeah um but what it lacks in action i think it makes up for in world building and character building and just flat out charm yeah like what a home run they hit casting these four hobbits right i mean Mm -hmm. the rest of the cast is great but you you picked four people you committed to three three-hour movies with these people and nine years of film. If you'd have picked one of them wrong, right, you get a canoe in there on accident. <laughs> yeah. And the whole trilogy's fucked. And no names, really. I mean, Elijah Sean Wood was Astin may have been Flipper. Like, Flipper. Yeah. From Sean Flipper. Astin had yeah. faded. The other two weren't names yet. Yeah, no. Um, but they became them afterwards. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, that, I always remark at like how 
how much work you can see being done in the movie itself. Like there's just every shot. So there's no waste in it. And yeah, it's three hours long for some people. It's all waste. But like, if you want to, if you're, if you enjoy, you know, this type of, of type of thing, it's every shot is beautiful and well struck and well constructed mm-hmm. and everything like that. It's such a far cry from what he would do later with the Hobbit. <gasps> Peter Jackson, oh, watch man. your mouth. It's awful. Yeah. Peter Jackson just obviously just, you know, didn't want to do those movies. And I think that there's been more than enough evidence of that after those movies came yeah. out. But uh, in these, he's, he's all in. Yeah. He yeah. is absolutely all in. And you look at the DVDs and stuff that came out on this, like, you know, over 72 days of footage that yeah. you haven't, i have watched those 72 days of footage multiple times this is literally one of my favorite films i love it i love it more than the uh the next two really Mm -hmm. and i think it is that world building and everything is was real it wasn't cg like we did see in the hobbit later uh but you know even just so the way the scenes are put together like constantly from three and a half hours later everyone's moved from left to right of the screen the whole damn time i mean just little things like that that really kind of puts you in place with them yeah yeah um i yeah i love this as well great movie um also in 2001 uh sort of along these lines uh donnie darko came out in 2001 you want to talk about a movie that no one can explain and i don't care (laughs) what they say they're all confused in some level when you're done but what an enjoyable experience especially first time out when you don't know anything about this you just know okay i recognize that face and that face and it's an indie film let's give it a shot and you don't know what's coming holy shit that's a ride yeah i uh I've had that uh, experience trying to explain this movie to many people. Uh, I don't think I know the exact answer, but I I do love the fact that it it seems to create a time paradox, right? And and that's basically what it comes down to. Now, what actually does that all entail, and all the details? Am I getting all that right? Probably not. There's probably a lot of stuff that I'm messing up on that, but. Yeah, such an interesting movie and such an interesting look at time travel itself. Um, and ahead of its time in the fact that it it just roasts like pageant oh, like yeah. gymnastic dancing culture well before we get toddlers and tiaras and dance moms <laughs> and all that shit yeah. on TV. This movie sets it all afire. Yeah. yeah. A great use of Tears for Fears, too. Yeah. That's one of the best montages of going from scene to scene and it's character development with this head over heels things playing in the in the background then you go to the the cheerleaders and you go to Donnie Darker and you go to Patrick it's it's awesome man yeah. I, l- I love how it flows and in, in the atmosphere and the tone that it has yeah. in this movie I saw it you know on DVD later on which I think is where it got most of its audience yeah, it definitely. certainly wasn't a huge hit yep and uh, everybody that watched it was just, you know, of course, everybody's trying to explain it and say like, oh, this is totally what it means. Yeah. Like, yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, this is uh, Jake Gyllenhaal sort of a, I don't know if it's his breakout, like because not like you said, not very many people saw it. Yeah. It was it would take a few years before Gyllenhaal actually like broke out. But this is both him and his sister, Maggie Gyllenhaal, yeah. in the same movie. Uh, and also, uh, I'll never get this name right, but Dave Chase, who was in the uh, was in the ring, the girl. In the oh, sun, yeah. The, the, the uh, little creepy girl in the ring. Uh, Samara. Samara. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, uh, what else in 2001, guys? Well, I think we should probably talk a little bit about State and Maine. Yes. I mean, it got its theatrical release like the second week of January of this year. Yeah. Somebody was yelling at me on Twitter that we didn't talk well, about it last year. And right after we were done last last week, Barrett and I both went, 
how did we not talk about state in Maine after all that time we've been like trumping that movie up? I feel the same way about 1998 and zero effect. and yeah. didn't say anything about that, <laughs> but state in Maine did have an official release in 2001. We can talk about yeah, it. Yeah. And we have talked about it. You guys should know by now, uh, that we love this movie and, uh, what else is there to say? Like, I was thinking today about it, about the scene where he realizes that she doesn't show her breasts. She shows them to him. And <laughs> how, many, how many times somebody in the movie says it's, it's about purity uh, and, and how that juxtaposes against all these filthy mouth Hollywood execs, right? Because, like, you got the old doctor walking by. Ah, Cindy, how's that arm? It itches. Well, that means it's healing. And it's like, it's such a picturesque <laughs> little landscape. And then he, he goes, how are you getting along with these folks? And he goes, like, dykes and dogs. Like, they're just, they're dirty Hollywood apples. <laughs> opposite of purity and then you've got you know the girl and the writer who are sort of really pure of heart uh it just deals with a lot of fun themes but it's it, it's not trying to be a deep movie it's just a how did this movie get missed i don't understand yeah. how, it, how it got this mm. cast and then just got overlooked it's hard to market a david mamet though it's just it's just the way it is it's uh and it's not it's not like a movie these big huge cast movies uh, movies about movies rarely do anything yeah and uh and so like yeah there wasn't really i think you could have I think you could have blown out the marketing on this and nobody would have gone to see it, unfortunately. It's so funny to look back in hindsight at the cast, though. So like if, huge. If you could yeah. put a movie out with this cast, you'd think you'd be able to sell it alone, just on the names. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, Alec Baldwin, William H. Macy, Je Julia Stiles, that's four, and yeah. there's like 12 <laughs> other ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. You were talking about your favorite car crash from Wonder Boys, where yeah. you like had that, that, oh, uh, that direct left, and this one has one of the best ones ever, where like, they have that terrible crash, and Alec yeah. Baldwin's like, well, that happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You yeah. need to get her out of here. Yeah. <laughs> the girls stand. Well, up. and David Paymer is probably one of his best performances too, because he's usually just like the guy who's always getting screwed. In yeah, the, yeah. Like you look at David Paymer's <laughs> career, like Get Shorty and Ocean Thirteen yeah. and all these movies. He's always the guy getting screwed. <laughs> this is he's the like asshole producer yeah. in this one. Yeah, he's and he's really in funny in it. But um, also, uh, since we're, we were talking about Donnie Darko earlier, uh, another movie that a lot of people have a hard time explaining, Mulholland Drive, came yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, this is Lynch, right? It's David yeah. Lynch. Yeah. I have a hard time with his movies. I'm not going to lie. Mm -hmm. Like, there's... When I was in college, one of my favorite things to say, to try and sound smart, was that Michael Stipe just wrote nonsense down instead of lyrics, because you listen to some of the REM lyrics back in the day. It was like he was just intentionally trying to see if anyone was paying attention. Uh, I feel like that's kind of like David Lynch movies to me. Like, he's just like... It's like, I'm going to fuck with you for a couple hours, and you're going to feel weird when you get out. And that's just not an experience <laughs> that I enjoy. That's not something I go looking for. There, there, is a, there is a sort of a key to this movie, and, I've, and actually, I don't study this movie that often, but, uh, but there is like the whole section that is just a dream and then a whole bunch of other stuff is real and yeah. like it's you have to figure out like exactly where those breaks are you know it's not like he just lays out a map for you yeah it's like it's know? like he got progressively more vague after blue velvet came out yeah and more and more atmospheric except for a straight story which was yeah crazy yeah. just a, a weird entry in his, his catalog right but this is this is very atmospheric, more so probably than Lost Highway. And mm -hmm. a great soundtrack, too. They've got a great use of Roy Orbison's crying in this song. Yeah. And uh, Angelo Badalamenti did the, the the score, which he did for Lost Highway, too, which is an epic score. And Naomi Watts, really? Yeah. Really oh, first, yeah. This is her breakout. First big hit for yeah. her. 
and 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 probably known to many many people for Naomi Watson Laura Herring's uh, lesbian scene, which mm. is you know. Let's talk about that for. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, sketch it out over here. It's literally the only part I remember. Five hours later, <laughs> um, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't even remember those. <laughs> I do always confuse this movie with Mulholland Falls. Yeah, yeah. Which is that shitty Chaz Palminteri. Yeah, Jennifer Connelly, Jennifer Nick Connelly, Nolte. Yeah, yeah all Nick that. Nolte. Yeah, it's like a mo- Hollywood '50s mobster. They go yeah. up on Mulholland Drive and throw bodies off mm. and. That's the Mulholland Falls. Yeah. Ah. Don't watch that movie. Yeah. <laughs> what else in 2001, guys? How about Training Day? Yeah, man. How about mm. Training Glad Day? Somebody oh, it, dung, dung, Glad somebody dung, said dung, it. Glad somebody said it. Man, this is dung, a dung. shocking performance. Yeah. This is a shocking performance from Denzel. I mean, we'd seen him go broad, and we'd seen him be a badass, but this is like a whole different level for he this guy. He is evil, man. Yeah. He is evil. He is evil. <laughs> King Kong ain't got shit on me. Yeah, God. yeah. It's beautiful though. It's it's so magnetic to watch. And Ethan Hawke is really like the perfect foil for him. He's kind of uh, he, he's got a great track record and everything. I don't always like like what he's in and like his performances, but he's he he runs up against him so perfectly in this. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's just, uh, Denzel is so charismatic in this. So you mm-hmm. completely understand why Ethan Hawke, even though he has red flags here and there, it's that first 30 minutes, like smoke these drugs. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> like to kind get of get why he would do it. Like Denzel also kind of talks you into it, mm-hmm. right? Are you a wolf? Come on. Um, Primo. And uh, <laughs> I love this movie so much. Uh, it has one of the most ridiculous coincidence ex <laughs> yes yes it does all time <laughs> yeah. absolutely um but you know well and also here's the other thing and we we sort of made fun of this with the outtakes and training day when we did the sins video for this but um but the whole like king kong ain't got shit on me scene feels like comedy more than like actual serious drama even though he's really good and he's hitting all the high notes and we love denzel Man, and we in the Sins video, we put a laugh track to everything that he said. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. His head's bobbing everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's, he's going way over the top. Yeah. Of it. He's going around shoe program and all that. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's just, it just, it just funnier to me than anything. But, um, well, you mentioned uh, Ocean's 13, um, and Soderbergh followed up his 2000 of Traffic Aaron Brockovich with Ocean's 11 yeah. in 2001, um, which, course i just read more news last night about this oceans eight yeah. female remake that mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I have yeah <laughs> I, I have building right. anger mm-hmm. about this but anyway oceans 11 still plays like gold to me i don't have any problem with that Guar- it's great guaranteed by the way oceans eight they're gonna have some joke in there was only takes eight women to do this yeah you know that <laughs> yeah. Uh, we can expect that anyway but oceans 11 is fantastic it is and i think um, you know, maybe one of the more underrated pieces of score ever in terms oh, yeah. of how it drives that film's action. Yeah. Um, it's got its own subgenre. If you go to any like stock music site to license a generic track and search oceans, you're gonna find tracks that sound like this movie. I've done it. Um and it spawned this whole subgenre of a yeah. style of music. Um God, I love this movie. I love the way it's cut, I love all the performances, I love 
even fucking Scott Kahn and Casey Affleck yeah, try yeah, their yeah. damnness to piss me off, but it doesn't happen. I just, I'll take it. Well, and they're, I, I think they're really funny in Ocean's 13 because they go down to Mexico and all that. <laughs> yeah. They become part and of they, the revolution. Yeah, they the revolution and all that. Oh my God, it's so great. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is just a fun heist movie, man. I mean, they're, it's so ludicrous, but it's so fun ludicrous, you know, like, yeah, once we ever finally send this, it's going to be like, you know, there's going to be like 60 oh, cents yeah. on the heist itself. And it's all- not about, I mean, it's it's more about wrangling, the, the job he did wrangling that cast, because talk about names. I mean, oh, yeah. that's just a ridiculous. Amount. It's like Matt Damon is is like the tertiary character. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Hold on one <laughs> well, speaking of big casts, uh, the Royal Tenenbaums came Yes. Out, and that's really Wes Anderson. It was the follow-up to Rushmore right mm-hmm. and uh was a huge cast and a great cast angelica houston and gene hackman and you know luke wilson and uh gwyneth paltrow and everything i love this movie um i know it gets it's it's really where it starts to get super cutesy for wes anderson yeah. um but it's before to me at least it gets too tired and mm-hmm. and i think it's uh, I, I i can watch this any time of the day yeah. it's interesting i don't i like that movie mm-hmm. um it's going to sound here in a second like I don't, but I just watched Rushmore two days ago. It was on one of the movie channels. I hadn't seen it in five or six years. There's none of that in there. There's mm. none of that. I mean, whatever he's doing with his camera tricks and symmetry and color, the cutesy stuff, it's so subtle in yeah. Rushmore because the characters are so strong. And then you come over to the Royal Tenenbaums, and I feel like his visual game gets super strong, and the characters kind of suffer because of it and get a little one-dimensional. They're all blank. I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow, by design, mm-hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow's character, Bill Murray's character, like, they're all just, like, even Ben, St- well, Ben Stiller's a little more uh, outlandish, but, like, there, there's a lot of, like, blank canvases for this beautiful cinematic universe to fit onto, I yeah. guess. yeah. Yeah, it's not my favorite Wes Anderson movie um, at all, uh, but I don't hate it. Well, and recently uh, some stories came out about how Gene Hackman was such a dick on the set, too. Uh, You know, I think we all love Gene Hackman and everything, but I can just imagine him just being surly on that set and just telling all these young bucks. What's with all the tweed? Yeah, exactly. exactly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. uh, I, I I think I think uh, Wes Anderson has come out to say you know the, no he he yeah he's had he had his moments and everything but he was a delight to work mm. with and all that and, and of course he's going to say that but uh, <laughs> but but that's an interesting thing if you can find it just I find wonder him. if any of that channeled into his performance because he's kind of a dick in oh that totally yeah yeah yeah. 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 Um, a huge, uh, huge cartoons came out in 2001 Shrek first off mm-hmm. and then Monsters Inc. also came out in 2001. Uh, Shrek is a movie that I still don't quite understand the huge love for it. I guess I kind of do because it did take the, um, fairy tale and, you know, it, it blew it out of the water. Like, you know, we don't, we don't, uh, kowtow to that type of, uh, stupid ass storytelling around here at DreamWorks, you know, we're going to shit and fart and all that. <laughs> and that was like the, that was like, we're going to use smash mouth. We're going to use smash mouth. <laughs> Fuck them. And, uh, and like, uh, and it's, it's, it sets the tone for what every DreamWorks cartoon comes out after it. It's all like knowing wink, wink pop culture jokes. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Toilet humor is huge. I mean, I, when we just send this movie, mm. like 
I could not be- I could not believe I like I remembered it having some, but not like all the way through it. Like, yeah, well the first five minutes is like half of it is, is shit and fart jokes, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um I don't think it's a bad movie. It's just that I don't get the the huge I mean, I guess I guess I do get the huge appeal of it, but I never was a part of it. Yeah. So. What do you guys think of Shrek guys? Man, Luke Go. I, I love Eddie Murphy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, off, yeah. So. He is fantastic. Yeah, Eddie Murphy that. as a donkey is a fucking dream come true and somewhere away from me. <laughs> um, it, it really worked well. Uh, as far as the movie itself, uh, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I just didn't, it didn't do anything for me. Mm-hmm. You got the uh, the Puss in Boots spinoffs eventually. Yeah. Those didn't do anything for me. Yeah. Uh, just the universe as a whole. No, right. Not, and the, not really. Yeah, and these movies get progressively worse, too. And, I mean, he's... Yeah, and I'll, I'll be honest, man. I think as like a, someone that spends so much time in the horror bubble, mm-hmm. like I think I'm kind of broken as a human being <laughs> because like um, I'm so used to feeling nothing that like uh, when I watch like I watched my dog Skip the other day and it yeah. starts fucking crying yeah. at the end, yeah, and like uh, Monsters Inc. that you mentioned before, like I'm, I'm tearing up at the end of that one. So like I'm a big pussy when it comes to <laughs> anything that elicits any kind of real emotion, just because like I feel nothing but hate and blood, you know, all day every day. But but Shrek couldn't even extrapolate that out of me which which means something you know right he's like the naked gun guy watching platoon and just yeah. like <laughs> yeah. 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 this is hilarious <laughs> i have to work with the psychopath so yeah yeah um monsters inc also came out in, in this year and this is uh, pixar's third feature at this point it's kind of a, kind of hard to believe that only after six years they only had three years mm. because uh, three movies because they come out with one every year from now, now. so but they at, at the point of 2001, this was their third one, and it was a monster hit. I was, mm. it wasn't trying to get I the pun there. there. I see what you wasn't did. trying. <laughs> Honestly, wasn't. I almost stopped myself, but you all knew what I was about. I to saw say. the twinkle in your eye. Yeah. It was there. Yeah. Um. But uh. But that was a yeah. It was a huge hit. And um. What do you guys think about Monster Inc? Fuck yeah. Me and Luke saw this like at least 100 times. Right. We used to work at an electronic store, and that would be playing. All the oh time on the high-end TVs to sell it. I can't imagine. But like, somehow it never got old. It yeah. never got oh, really? old. Yeah, we were just... You'd walk by and you'd just stop and you're like, oh, yeah. 15 minutes later, you're like, shit, I got to do work. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, Monsters, Inc. is definitely helped by one of the most adorable little girls oh, like they've ever thrown into a movie. <laughs> like, it's like an impossibly adorable little girl that, you know, keeps going around, kitty, kitty, yep. you know. <laughs> I honestly think, you know, that, that sells that movie in people's hearts more than the film itself. Yeah. Like, I think the film is fun. Uh, but I think they will go on with Finding Nemo and Incredibles and Wally and Up to have a lot more punch and emotional oh, yeah. weight to what they're trying to do. Uh, but I, I don't really have anything bad to say about Monsters, Inc. Let's talk about a couple of horror movies now that we've got our modern horror. That cast. seems like a logical idea. Indeed. It was not a good year. It was not. <laughs> no. So we're going to talk about there's Moulin a couple, Rouge There's then. a couple yeah, good ones. But, couple. Well, the one one that I thought was good is The Others. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah um. That one's got a nice, like, you know, you, you are sort of like, what's going on here? What's going on? What's going on? It has a great ending yep. to it. 
Um, but yeah, that was one that came out of nowhere for me. Like, I didn't think that was going to be good at all. Well, and I, it's been completely forgotten. I feel like, yeah, like, I feel like Sixth Sense was such a huge film that it left this wake for two or three years in this genre where Stir of Echoes and the others and all these movies that are really good mm-hmm. just couldn't get anybody's attention off of the Sixth Sense. Uh, I think the others is outstanding. Yeah. I think it's maybe even an A plus, uh, but I feel like outside of the guys in this room, I may not know anybody that's seen it. Yeah, it's mm. one of those movies that seems like it's kind of been lost to time, right? Yeah. You don't really hear people talk about this movie often, really, do you? I mean, you don't really hear people talk about it, but it's one of those movies, while it not, it may not have been like a, a rousing success whenever it came out, but it's one of those horror movies that went on to impact so many other horror movies mm. that came out. Yeah. Like the tricks that are used in there and the whole idea uh, behind it, like those, those elements were borrowed by... Uh, newcomers in the genre, people that have been around forever and injected into their future movies. So even even if it wasn't seen by a lot of people, it really impacted the entire genre for still, you know, really. Yeah. Would yeah. you say it impacted the others? Ooh. Bad pun. Bad pun one. Put it Food up. for thought from Jacob Hopkins here. It did the, uh, the Shyamalan on twist at the end without having Shyamalan yeah, attached, yeah, which yeah, I thought yeah. was awesome. Yeah. Uh, another horror movie, the sequel to The Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal. Silence of the Lamb. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you guys think of this movie? I'm not high on the hog on this one, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, uh-oh. 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 Fighting words? Hannibal. Okay, so I Hannibal, thought that was another pun. Like many, Rid- <laughs> like yeah. many Ridley Scott movies, is beautiful to look at. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful to look at. Uh, I tend to not like horror movies that are beautifully shot, though. Are yeah. we calling Hannibal <laughs> a horror movie? Yeah, I, I mean, like I it squeezes think, in. I, th- I think I we think, can take it. I think if you're going to eat Ray Liotta's brains yep. at the end of the movie, it's a horror movie. I literally <laughs> can't watch that scene. No, I can't either. It's <laughs> horror. It's awful. I walk out of the room. It's something. Yeah. I the opening feels filler and throwaway. The middle hour with the Florence investigator and the cat and mouse game he plays uh, with Anthony Hopkins. Oh, I love that album. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then once once they go back to the U.S. and it's basically a chase and then a really, really gross brain-eating scene. Uh, so I can't give Hannibal... <laughs> I would rather watch Red Dragon, probably, than I Hannibal. agree with that. Um, but I do think there's really good stuff there in that middle hour. Yeah. Um, another horror movie that came out in 2001, Jeepers Creepers. What do you guys think of Jeepers Creepers? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. This is, this has got some baggage with it though. Yeah, yes, it does. Baggage? Victor Selva has yeah, some baggage. It does. <laughs> so Jeepers oh, Creepers, he's got baggage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Victor Selva pretty much got 86 from the from the horror genre at this point. Um, the cool thing is, is that is it is a somewhat I don't know if we can call it an original concept, but it is a a fun concept, right? Uh, and it made for a, a fun and entertaining movie. Uh, it went on to spawn a sequel that was even more fun. But unfortunately, we're probably not going to get any more. Uh, and I don't know, maybe it's just because in 2001, the internet wasn't as uh, everywhere, you know, as, <laughs> as it is today. Yeah. But now it would seem as if his past has caught up with him. Uh, did you guys ever see Clown House? No. Nope. No. I don't think anybody saw Clown House. Okay, well, I saw Clown House. Yeah, well. <laughs> okay, so. We don't count. There was a shitty 80s movie called Clown House that uh, Victor Salva directed and uh turns out that he sexually molested the little boy the star actor in that mm-hmm. and he actually went to prison for yeah, it yeah 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 so but, but but i mean that's some real shit but he yeah. you know, he, he went on to do you know powder when he yeah. got out of there and jeepers creepers and somehow that never really caught up with him 
until now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's also kind of being paralleled to get completely off topic with this Birth of a Nation movie that's coming out. Right. Where mm. it got filmed and made and had all this buzz, and then these allegations of abuse come to light. I think it was physical abuse. It for... was rape. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The the guy um, the guy who directed it and starred in it had yeah. a charge from way back in 1999. Yeah. And uh, the woman who accused him later committed suicide, and that's, mm. you know, there's a oh. lot of awfulness in, involved with that story as well you know he's never been convicted we can't say that you know no, no i wasn't trying to convict the man <laughs> no, no 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 but but no you're right it's uh, it's it's the baggage that comes along with it it's not really the. but i think we're in an era now and i think you hit it on the head it's because of the internet it's because i can find mm-hmm. out in three seconds on twitter that that you're not gonna be able to get away with shit if you're a director, mm-hmm. right? Look at what happened to Bill Cosby at this point. Not that he was a director, but yeah. I mean, if you want to direct movies and that that's your ambition, or you're already there, don't commit crimes and rape people. Yeah, uh, I was going to mention one more uh, horror movie real quick since we were in the in the middle of all this. But Joyride, I remember that yeah. like we had seen a lot of these movies all at the same time. This yep. was our last year at Hollywood 27 together. Yeah. I can't yep. remember who left first. Uh, I left. Then you left. Then I came back. Right. That's then how you that went to New York. 2001. Well, no, 2001 was where I quit completely and I worked for another company right, for about right. a year. But uh, Joyride was another one that was kind of fun. And John Dahl showing up again. The guy, man, the guy makes a lot of great movies. And I, he, I mean, we're going to have a question later about underrated directors. Yeah. I'm not going to mention him, but John Dahl. <laughs> yeah. He's not the one. But. Yeah, yeah. John Dahl is one of those guys because he just makes great movies. He makes good or great movies all the time. Well, and it's, it's, it's again, it may be nothing super inventive going no. on with this concept, but it's a very good hook. Candy uh, cane. Candy cane. Yeah. <laughs> you got three very likable leads, Paul Walker, Steve Zahn, and Lily Sobieski. Mm-hmm. Um, it's short, mm-hmm. sweet. To the point, gets in, gets out. the 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 scares are legit. Yeah, um, you really think that ice truck is the bad guy truck? Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy this movie. I, I can't. I mean, it's not going to win. I'm not going to nominate it for anything. <laughs> but it's, it's a fun. It's a week here, but it's not that week. Yeah, <laughs> it's good junk food. Uh, but okay, so you were talking about you're going to bring up AI. AI, artificial intelligence. Yes, is the full title Indeed. of the collaboration, if you will, between. Kubrick and Spielbergo. I don't know if there's one movie in Spielberg's oeuvre. Nice. You just dropped (laughs) a fucking dictionary on us. Hold on, let me look that word up. I got a welt from that Webster. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just done now. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not going to complete the thought. I just wanted to say that word. <laughs> I didn't even have a thought. But no, there's there out of all of his filmography, there's like not one movie that is more argued about than this one, right? I agree with that. Like, I just recently saw this on one of the cable channels, and I was like, I'm really digging this. Man, I love it. But it's, it's, one, it's the ending, right? The ending takes, I mean, it, it's forever... It's, it's got, got a little third Lord of the Rings yeah, itis here, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, Spielberg has already just done Lost World, Jurassic Park, and proven that he he likes to let his endings run on a little. No, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that does happen here. And I don't think it is a perfect film, um, but I am I enjoy that ride and that aesthetic that happened between a film that Kubrick had prepared and then Spielberg came in and added his thing to it. It's not like any other Spielberg movie, really. Yeah, no, and then. Not. Jude Law is just so fucking yeah. entertaining in this as the love bot. Um, 
which I'm surprised we don't have love bots today. Yeah, <laughs> right? That's going to happen. Yeah. That's a real thing that'll happen. I'm pretty sure uh, Japan has those already. Well, I'm not talking about like <laughs> love bots that lay there. I'm talking about like Jude oh, Law. I'm pretty like, sure, I'm pretty sure they interact, Jude Law right? Jude Law is like dancing oh, yeah, and caressing yeah, and next romancing. Week, next week's podcast will be all about the, uh, the love bots that we... <laughs> We'll have done. We'll have we, done. We'll have conducted extensive research by that point. We picked the wrong week, Luke. The yeah, wrong mm, week. We'll, right. we'll invite you back for okay. that. Yeah. I don't know how long this movie is, but I, I almost wonder how long it would have been if Kubrick had directed it. Oh, interesting. Um, it, it's. I don't know. For me, it just never got. It never connected to me. It never got that feeling. You know, I'm a big Kubrick slut, but like, man, I just I could not get into this. And I love Spielberg too. It just didn't have. I think that's what it is. I think it's yeah. this is peanut butter and chocolate combining, and some people didn't like the new taste. Yeah. Some people found it to be a refreshing new thing. Spielberg's chocolate and Kubrick's. That's a hell of a metaphor. I'm really <laughs> feeling it. I'm feeling it. Uh, the room get quiet. But, uh, <laughs> I, what, what do you have? You guys seen AI? What do you guys feel about? Because there's a little bit of horror. Like thriller uh, elements yeah. here and there, especially when he goes to that fucking death rodeo for <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, androids. Yeah, I, I honestly have not seen it. No, really. Yeah, yeah I've seen it, like honesty. On but the the, uh, the first time, I really, really enjoyed it. Then I was like, I've got to go back and I've got to watch it again. Obviously, um, home video style, and I just didn't feel it the second time, and I just never went back to watch it. But I do agree with you, Jeremy. I do like the aesthetics of it. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. There's a lot of movies I can watch, and honestly, one of your favorite Kubrick ones is this for me. Um, the sex one, whatever that's called. Oh, Eyes Wide Shut. I can watch that movie all the way through. That's a really enjoyable ride for yeah, me, yeah. but I will probably never go, I think that's a great movie. Like, I'm never going to yeah. say that, yeah. I, but yeah. I enjoy the experience. It's the, it's the cerebral stuff that I think it could really been uh, delved into more in this AI that I don't think Spielberg, it's just not his thing. No, that's not. Well, that's, that's why I like it, is that it forced us to get a new kind of Kubrick idea, and it forced Spielberg to do some non-Spielberg-y yeah. things. And I think the result was muddied for some people and, and was, you know, gold for others. Yeah. Uh, also in 2001, Jean-Pierre Genet's Amelie. I love this movie this so movie much. This movie is so good. Um, yeah, uh, it's just one of those where it, it's magic all the way yep. through it. It's There's no other word to really describe it because Audrey Tattoo is, is just adorable. Yeah. All the way through this. Yeah, like, it's a beautiful movie. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the best shot movies. It's got a great <sighs> little story. Like, it's not, like, complex or anything, mm -hmm. but it's it, it's it got a great, like, a whole bunch of surprises just around the corner in every... Like, yeah, it, it reminds me almost, because it, it shoots Paris with such a loving nature that it almost seems like a Woody Allen film to me mm -hmm. in, in its premise. But then, like you are saying, the shots are just so... You know, there's, there's such that fantasy element in there that that just goes over the top and it, 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 not in a bad way like it it really works within the movie like when she melts and becomes a puddle like yeah. an actual puddle in the thing and oh my god what a winning performance like she is just she's perfect in this movie i love this thing like yeah that was one of those where you watch the movie and you actually fall in love with the character like you're like actually have i was just gonna say she's at kate hudson almost famous levels of drawing the viewer in here, oh yeah. Right? yeah oh yeah no she's she knows she's adorable and Every scene, she's adorable. Do you hate Kate Hudson? No, no, just bring back memories, bro. Just bring back memories. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> almost famous. Well, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you guys hate Luke, Luke, Luke loves Almost Famous. You got? Do you get a blowy while you were watching Almost Famous or something? <laughs> no, 
Self-inflicted, perhaps. Oh, my God. <laughs> this just took a turn toward the urgent. You weren't ready for that. You weren't ready. None of us were. None of us were ready for that. All right. Well, I'm sorry I asked. Um, <laughs> you have to be careful. You have to be careful. But no, this is one of the most engaging, charismatic performances ever, I think. It really is. It's, uh, it's one, like I said, it's one of the few times where you actually feel like you are in the relationship with that girl. Yeah. You because know? she keeps she keeps breaking that fourth wall and, yeah. and looking and winking and smiling and all that stuff. Yes. And but it's not in an obnoxious way. It's just Right. It's, it ne- you were talking about Royal Tannenbaums and how it gets all like, you know, it's getting to the point of like, this is too cute or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Amelie, for whatever reason, never gets it's to that. It's because of her. It's, it's because, because of her. her. And, yeah. and everybody else, all the other characters are in their own way also adorable. Yeah. Like even the the, the guys in there the technician yeah uh, yeah the, the photo booth and everything like everybody's just winning you can tell like this would be probably a, a shoot that would be a lot of fun to be oh on, yeah man. yeah and just the shots of paris man it's not that pornographic paris where it's just like eiffel tower in every scene and all that shit you know <laughs> yeah. it's like little avenues of paris that you yeah. wouldn't normally see oh yeah this is uh just a an amazing movie uh what else in 2001 guys i'm looking at vanilla sky here on my Ooh, list yeah. yeah you are we just yeah. crowned this dude's movie number one of 2000 almost famous he follows that up with cameron crow a remake of a spanish film um that stars penelope cruz in the Open your same eyes. role yeah which is weird as fuck yeah. because i watched the original before i saw vanilla sky somehow thinking i guess i needed backstory or something <laughs> i don't know the original is fantastic yeah. it has none of the gloss that cameron crow's has in terms of the look it's a lot plainer grittier looking film uh which i think sells the story in that in that version, even better. Of course, Cameron Crowe does some other stuff to gloss it up on his. But uh, one thing I can't ever get past is Cameron Diaz saying that one of the dirtiest lines of dialogue yes. ever, and yes. how awkward it makes me feel every time I hear her say that line. But is she wrong? Is she wrong, Jeremy? I think um, she, I wasn't there for the act itself, so I don't know. Um, just but, don't use the word blowy again. Yeah. yeah. I, I just like to shorten things. Yeah. Um, Vanilla Sky was sort of the beginning of the end for Cameron Crowe. I think you might be right. Uh, there, This is the most divided movie of Cameron Crowe's career, easily. Um, there are people who love this movie. There mm-hmm. are people who just hate it. Most people hate it, I think. Oh, really? I think is that the pe- consensus? I now? think most people hate this movie. Yeah. Um, Taxable. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. I'm the. I. I. I, uh, I really enjoy it, but. Uh, but I think this is this movie really pissed a lot of people off. <laughs> Why is it? I mean, you talk about such a winning performance. I mean, you fell in love with Penelope Cruz in this mm-hmm. movie too. Like she's great. Yeah. And maybe is it Tom Cruise? Is it Tom Cruise doing I something mean, completely this is in that era? Where... I don't know if the Tom Cruise hate had really happened yet, though. We, really? We're get, It's about five years for Tom Cruise before he gets into the. You know, couch jumping, Scientology, all that getting, <laughs> getting thrown in there. But like, yeah, I don't know, man. It, it, I think, I think sometimes when you have a movie that's got this kind of premise, and it's like, well, is it a dream or is it not? Yeah, people just get pissed off, man. The people I know that are mad about it, I think it is that ending. I, I think yeah, it's cool, but yeah. I think they feel like it. They get cheated in some way with the movie yeah. when they hit that ending. Like, well, well fuck that shit then. You know? <laughs> yeah. like, no, bro, calm down. It was just a movie. Yeah, calm exactly. It's okay. It's okay. Exactly. This guy that I talk to on Twitter every now and then who watches the videos was saying uh, when we did Gone Girl, 
when I put Gone Girl out, he was like, a movie that I loved 100% until the end, and the mo- and the ending made me hate the whole movie. <laughs> I, I can see that. <laughs> like, yeah, and that's how I actually originally described Eyes Wide Shut, was that an ending that pissed me off so bad, it's, it ruined yeah, what came like before. It. I, yeah. I settled in a place where I don't believe that anymore, but I do hate that ending. <laughs> that is a shit ending. Um, another great foreign language film for us here in the States, E2 Mama Tambien. Yeah. Good movie. Oh, it's really, really good. means and your mother, too. And your mother, too. That's correct. And everything that implies. Of course, you know, the this movie set a blueprint for uh, all these movies that have come out with best buds that have come out. Like, like everybody's like, why didn't they do the E2 Mama Tambien treatment yeah. or whatever? Yeah. Like, yeah, not every story has to end with some sort of like gay sexual relationship at the end of it, okay? Not every. Really? Yeah. <laughs> but uh this is one of the, you know, the the three amigos. You have Alfonso Cuarón, you have uh, Guillermo del, Tor- del Toro and Alejandro G and Ritu. Try saying all those Try saying all those fuckers. Um but uh I this is my this is my favorite director of the three amigos, Alfonso Cuarón because yeah. every one of his movies is beautiful um even even like you know, he, he goes on to do azkaban uh, mm-hmm. later on and he does before this he does i believe it's is it little princess the well, kids movie he maybe? did that and he did great expectations too yeah and great expectations yeah. which is a beautiful movie oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. even though i didn't like it uh but uh but yeah just everything that he does is just like it's gorgeous and he yeah, does later pretty. does children of men obviously this is yeah. his biggest movie but gravity um well yeah gravity but yeah children of men like was the the next big one that he would do yeah. and then gravity and now he's like you yeah, know, he's but, probably top five on my radar in terms mm-hmm. of I, I really want to see whatever he does next. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, it's a great movie, and you know, I mean, it's you know, <laughs> it's also it's, all, it's also got some uh, pretty hot heterosex in it. Too. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, speaking of man woman sex, original oh. sin. No, there you go. There you go. God, I. There's nothing about this movie I want to talk about except how bad it is. Yes. <laughs> I've told this story before, but I, this is the only time I was previewing a print I built and ran upstairs because I was sure I'd put a reel out of order. Oh, yeah. Only to find I had not. Yeah. That is how hard a turn this movie takes about two-thirds of the way through. It just goes, I'm going to the left now, and there's a new narrator that hasn't said anything the whole movie, and there's a nun prison, and what the fuck is happening? Um, also memorable because one of our crazy coworkers who talked to herself, uh, had her four-year-old in the theater. Oh, no. yeah. Oh, shit. And this is like some of the most scandalous Angelina Jolie yes, it is. nudity yeah. you've ever seen. And there's a little girl running zigzag patterns up and up and down the <laughs> stadium seat. Just that Antonio uh, Banderas movie? Yeah. yeah. I was thinking, okay, I was making sure I was on yeah. the right track with you. And it's pretty raw. Like, you don't see sex scenes like this in movies much anymore. Not, in not fact, even, <laughs> even in 2001, this was kind of like, because they had started... After Basic Instinct and Showgirls and all that, they uh, Hollywood started getting concerned about AIDS and stuff like that. So they stopped making mainstream sex movies and stuff like that. And so, like, that was just getting phased out. That's the reason why you didn't see, like, a whole bunch of, like, Basic Instinct ripoffs in theaters. You know, it was all on video. Um, but, like, this was one of the last ones I remember that you can see, like, this type of stuff in, a, like, a mainstream theater. It's pretty graphic, and it's almost deadpool 
sex montage levels of yeah. <laughs> because they like do it and then it'll show like one of them drinking orange juice and then they're fucking again and then it'll show like somebody coming out of the shower and then they're fucking again <laughs> it goes on for like 20 like... 30 minutes of the movie um we had a few uh pretty good comedies in 2001 so zoolander 2001 yeah. i love this movie um but this is a weirdly divisive movie like i know plenty of people that dismiss it as just dumb yeah um and it's dumb but I don't think it's just dumb. I think it's dumb and hilarious. Yeah. That's what the point is, I thought. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think it was a hit. I think it did pretty well. It did okay, I think. I feel like I read some think piece about how America must have been ready to laugh after 9-11, and that's right. why Zoolander did so well. Okay. Forget your troubles. It's one of those movies I love to quote, but I don't necessarily love to watch. That's a very good way to put it. Yeah, so. I love quoting that movie. Absolutely. And there's almost an experience every day where I can find something to pull <laughs> Gasoline <from> fire! <laughs> I mean, yeah. all I have to do is cough, right? Get it out. Something stuck in my throat and I can go into the black lung stuff. This movie, <laughs> movie only made $45 million. This movie oh. did nothing at the box office, <laughs> I remember. The total failure. People were not ready to laugh. It was, it, you know, I mean, it's, it, I mean, I feel like this movie movie hit the american culture though i mean like oh yeah it's like dodgeball and you yeah, know yeah. and and old school. old school and all these movies anchorman that people and, yeah anchorman yeah. it's just like that to me yeah uh, as far as quotability and recognizability and everything people weren't ready for it when it came out in theaters really but <laughs> well it's it's so far over and it's really really into that whole genre too mm -hmm. of like there's there seems to be a lot of like in jokes about like fashion and the industry and stuff like that yeah and, and you get uh billy zane and david bowie and like uh <laughs> you know will ferrell doing his mugatu thing yeah yeah <laughs> Um, uh, some other comedies that came out. A lot of people love Super Troopers. I, 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 I do too. Super big Super, fan, big fan. Yeah, the uh, the uh, uh, Broken Lizard guys, man, <sighs> man. man, like, and even Club Dread, which I didn't like yeah. at first, I've grown to yeah. love over the years. But, uh, but yeah, man, Super Troopers is one of the biggest, like, all time, like, got a life of its own after it was in the yeah, oh, it's sure. unhinged. Yeah, well, they just. They set a crowdfunding record for the sequel they just finished yes. writing. They raised millions and millions of dollars. It has a huge following. Yes, it does. You almost can't even call it a cult following anymore. No, not at, not at this point. Because there's, I mean, any like a lot of random people on the street. You could talk super troopers with them. Yeah, absolutely. Another another one that I know that Barrett and I like, not another teen movie, came yeah, out yeah, in yeah. 2001. Absolutely. Like, this isn't great, but it has so many like funny moments, especially... It takes that she's all that genre mm -hmm. and and like it it exposes it for how fucking ludicrous it is. Yeah. Like you remember she's all that Rachel Lee Cook is about the hottest girl you can ever run into in your life. And and like, oh, they take her glasses off <laughs> and then everybody thinks that she's hot now. And they and not another teen movie sends that up beautifully because it's like Cause it's like it's like Chris Evans is like, oh my god, she's wearing those glasses. <laughs> she got paint on her overalls. Yeah, yeah. She's got a ponytail. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah exactly. No, it's, no, it's um, awesome. Randy Quaid is is in it. It's different from like those regular parody of like date movie and all that bullshit mm -hmm. uh, that comes later on because. It seems really genuine. Like the dude that does the slow clap, like at inopportune times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And nobody follows in. He's like, God damn it. And then finally, like he's at the end and somebody else starts it. Yeah. Like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, nobody like. You know, and and the guy, I mean, Joel Galen, like writers, none, no. of, none of those people really did much after that or anything. But 
I think it's notable in this day and age that Aaron Aaron Seltzer and Jason Friedberg were not a part of this yeah, movie. Yeah. And and what do you know? It's actually really funny. Yep. Um, another comedy that came out that another big cult comedy, Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah, yeah. Another huge. funny and huge cast and yep. everything. Another another real fun. Mm-hmm. And then they came out with the Netflix thing, which was awesome too. Yeah. Um, at least I thought maybe everyone. <laughs> it doesn't sound like Barrett thought it was. Yeah. Awesome. No, I mean I didn't Barrett like it. Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I didn't like it as much as the movie. I, no, the, no, it's not as good as the movie. Yeah, it's not as good. There's as more H. John Benjamin in that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, also, 2001 Blow came out. Yep. We, we I was trying to say that <laughs> Blow came out last year. In the sequel year, to Snatch. In the sequel to Snatch. Um, Snatch uh, and Blow. Yeah, the sequel is going to be Blowy by Jeremy Scott. Um, I'm going to give you the best blow <laughs> ever. Um, that's a it's a good movie. Johnny. It is. It is a good movie. Yeah, it's it, not. I mean, it, it. I think it sort of when you first watch it, you're like kind of bullshit is this but then later on you know if you if you give it you know you're just sitting around watching on tv one day it's great. yeah no it's great and ray liotta is a has a really good performance and johnny depp is is one of his his finer ones yeah 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 um also in 2001 ghost world came out yeah, another yeah. great oh that's a great movie um terry's Wa- terry's wagaf had, had done uh, crumb the documentary we didn't mm. talk about that in 1994 but um uh, it, that's a great movie. You go on to do Bad Santa after that. Terry's Wagoff. Um, but um, what else? Oh, Moulin Rouge. We didn't really talk about Moulin Rouge. Um, I I might like this more than most of you. I love the first hour. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love yeah, it. Yeah. The 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 second half kind of starts to yeah fall apart. A I'm little yawning bit. at that point. Oh man, that yeah. music. That music is a little jarring to me. Uh, it, it sneaking in like smells like Teen Spirit at the beginning, yeah. but the 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 redeeming factor of this is that fucking um, that uh, what is that dance the salsa the, the one with Roxanne oh uh, well, salsa no it's not a salsa you just said that. <laughs> Keep repeating that until he says yes. Man, he's doing the tango. Tango. It's the tango. <laughs> it's the tango Jeremy's with Roxanne. <laughs> Do you know why people like salsa? Because they like to say salsa. <laughs> they like to say salsa. <laughs> they like to say salsa. But no, that's a great scene, though. That that Roxanne yeah. version is really powerful, even though I don't like the movie overall. Mm-hmm. Um, another uh, comedy that came out, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah. yeah, this is my favorite Kevin Smith movie after Chasing Amy. It's a really... I think it may have the most to chew on, like comedy wise, yeah, than anything it has that he's the ever most done. Laughs for me, yeah. Um, it is self aware. Yes, <laughs> yes. beyond self aware. Um, I'm not. I I have a hard time trying to figure out whether I like this more than Clerks or 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 you know, as far as his comedies are going. Chasing Amy, I still think is his best movie. Uh, but yeah, man, there's so much. I mean, Jane Silent Bob uh, Strike Back is very 2001. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like it's <laughs> extremely 2001. Like the, because I got high at the end on the soundtrack. The but I love the kick some ass segment at the end of it, yeah. and the and the you are the ones who are the ball lickers <laughs> and all that. He's using the internet at the yeah, kiosk. Yeah, at the- yeah, yeah. They're at that like movies. movies yeah, yeah. yeah, whatever. Um, the yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, what else, guys? Is there anything else that we've missed? Well, nothing that's going to contend. Right. I don't no. think. I don't think so. Um, you know, Made came out in yeah. 2001. Yeah. John Favreau. Sort of a, yeah, that was sort of a, a follow interesting up movie. Yeah. to Swingers, kind mm-hmm. of. I mean, uh, it wasn't Doug Lyman, but Favreau directed yep. this. And uh, and and yeah, Vince Vaughn is kind of doing a Trent 
you know, yeah, they're, if they're if opposite you want to hate Vince Vaughn, right? watch this movie. He's yeah. just nothing but a total dickhole fuck up the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, the entire I know. Thing. He's, Tell I me know. how you really feel. Yeah. yeah. I'm serious. <laughs> I like Vince Vaughn, the oh, actor. Yeah, His yeah, character sure. in this is dialed up to 11 oh, on the yeah. annoyingness. Yeah, it is. Well, Good performance a, from Puff Daddy, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Also, Robert Altman, Gosford Park. Great movie. Yeah, it's When I first watched it, I didn't like it. Then I it really grew to appreciate it later. Really good movie. It's a good. You were mis- getting a blowy the second time. I was getting a blowy. <laughs> this was this Raw, this just- this is the blowy. This is the blowy episode. Um, uh, Monsters Ball, where you can see mm-hmm. Halle Berry naked. That's basically this. And Swordfish, where you can yeah, see Halle Berry naked. Swordfish, yeah, yeah. Speaking of blowies, yeah, exactly. This is devolved. This is devolved. Let's talk about something else in the bedroom. Uh, <laughs> um, in the bedroom, good movie. It's yeah. all right. Uh, made Jonathan laugh and hysterically in the auditorium with yeah, people in there. Um, what else? What else? What else? There's not really anything. This is the beginning of the end for a lot of like actors that feel like wedding planner, like oh. Matthew McConaughey, Jennifer Lopez, and the aforementioned Kate Hudson. Not in wedding planner, but like had the worst decade of of anybody in yeah. this year. And McConaughey and Hudson were in two movies together in that mm. decade. But like this is the beginning of that for McConaughey. Wedding planner. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, come on. I have a very specific memory about that movie. Mm-hmm. Blowies? <laughs> no, more like drugs. Mm-hmm. Ah. The wedding planner? <laughs> Well, when you work in the theater and you put movies together, you you watch them, <laughs> right? It's not like I was like, oh, the wedding planner. I'm so excited about this. It was more like, oh, the wedding planner. I'm gonna go see if that druggy manager has anything <laughs> to get me through these next two hours. Yeah. Did it help? Uh, no, no, no. That movie's it's pretty really putrid. Bad. It's pretty bad. Um, also, Frailty came out. Oh yeah, another good movie yeah, here. Yeah. Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton directed this. Although you were and just, McConaughey's in this. You were just dogging McConaughey, but, but he's in that. Yeah, McConaughey. McConaughey has like a couple of good movies in this decade, but most of his high profile ones, like How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days and Sahara. How to Lose a Treasure in Ten Days. Fool's Gold. <laughs> oh, that one. Yeah, yeah all those are just awful, awful, awful movies. But this is good. Yeah, yeah. this is a really good. Yeah, movie. I really like Frailty. Uh, the score came out. Yeah, we've talked good, about good the score a couple movie. of times. Mm-hmm. Ali, Michael Mann, like nobody likes this. Oh movie. wow! Yeah, nobody really likes this. I movie. I don't like the movie, but I am kind of fascinated by uh, Will Smith in it mm. um, because he just went for it. Oh and, yeah, yep. And I I don't feel like he missed. Um, yeah. It's maybe not the grand slam that would have gotten him the praise and accolades and Oscars or what have you, but the. the the fact of the matter is none of the rest of the movie is anywhere close to what he's given us. Yeah. It just, it just falls through. The fights uh, are good. Fights are well done. Yeah, though. the fights are well shot. Yeah. Um, and uh, anything with him on screen talking is great, mm-hmm. but it's just that that not enough. The uh, the Coens came out with one of their lower movies, which means I still loved it. <laughs> uh, the Man Who Wasn't There yeah, came out. I uh, like this movie a lot. Yeah, I do too. And, and we're probably the only people. Yeah, maybe so, because, oh my God, it's such a blah performance yeah. by Billy Bob Thornton. But like... It sets it up to where when he does come just a little bit alive, yeah. it's almost shocking. Yeah. It's, like when he's holding up the hair, he's like, this came off of a human, you know? Yeah. And it's, uh, I love well, it. Well, and the, there's that part where John Polito is like, uh, like suggesting that they should like get into bed together or whatever. Mm. And Bailey Bob just looks at him for a second and goes, you're out of line, mister. <laughs> right out of line. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and then, uh, no, no, Jason X. You want to talk about <laughs> oh, Jason X? We do not want to talk about come Jason on X. Come on now. We can pass. We can uh, pass. Uh, <laughs> we've got two good ones that did come out that were foreign. Ichi the Killer from Takeshi Miike. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he likes to blend like gore, which normally doesn't bother me, but he blends it with like weird which does kind of weird me out when like people are digging through feces and stuff. I yeah, don't know. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, weirds yeah. me out. No. You and sold then, me. <laughs> right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And then Devil's Backbone, Guillermo, oh, which I okay. really love that one. Okay. Yeah, and, and that's one I haven't seen of his. Um, uh, I, well, he's going to come up again later. Um, <laughs> you bastard. Yeah. Uh, uh, Session 9 also came out in 2001. Hey. What do you guys think about that yeah. movie? Not I, a fan. It's got super overrated. It's got the uh, all-time best uh, gif of David Caruso ever where he's like fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Every time I talk to somebody who's seen that, they're like, "Oh, that was so awesome." And I'm like, "Really?" Yeah, I don't, don't I don't get know. It. I've never figured it out and no one can explain it to me. Don't get it. Uh and then I'll mention Shaolin Soccer cuz that's a that's a fun movie. Yeah, and yeah. also The Last Castle movie that I was actually in. Yeah. yeah. You can see me in the background of The Last Castle. That is a good movie, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. Robert Redford. That. No, yeah, it's good. Uh <laughs> Chris it's Atkinson's just, in it. It's awesome. <laughs> well, okay. Did you yeah. see that performance? Well, I mean, <laughs> I did turn in a really good performance, but um, I, I don't think I was good enough to save it. Uh, <laughs> but no, it, I like it. That yeah, it, it's it's a decent movie. Like I actually came on cable the other day, and I sat there and I was like, huh. It's, got, it's all right. It's mm-hmm. all right. But it's so, like, I don't know. I expected more from Yeah, it's no Shawshank or anything. No, no, no. But, by the way, The Pledge came oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Another great movie. This is Sean Penn directing and everything. I just wanted to mention that one. Uh, really good. good. It's one of those that uh, if you want, I mean, this is, it's depressing as fuck. Sure is. The and premise is depressing as fuck. Yeah. Everything about it is depressing as fuck. It's exactly what you would think of Sean Penn doing a movie like, <laughs> with Jack Nicholson would be. Uh, but. If you kind of dig that type of movie, it's awesome. And yeah, I do dig yeah. that movie. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get to voting on this. Okay, so today's order is Jeremy, Chris, Barrett, and then Luke and Jacob, our special guests. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jeremy, that's me. Yeah. I get to go first, and I think I'm going to surprise you, because I think the best movie this year was The Others. Ooh. Um, I am surprised. I will state that if, like us, you're going about the task of trying to name the best movie of the years. Mm -hmm. This is a really fucking shitty year for that. Mm -hmm. Because there is nothing that I would throw out as the best of the year that I wouldn't feel a little guilty about. Like, Mm. Fellowship is great. Might be the best of the year, but if we take it back a year and put Fellowship up against what's in 2000, Almost Famous is still going to win. There's just nothing in that heavy hitter upper echelon that screams, this is clearly the best. And so I wrote wrote down things like Fellowship and Training Day and State and Maine, and I settled on the others because I've seen it twice, um, about 10 years apart, both times blew my mind. It's just, it's, I feel like it has... Okay, so we just did The Witch, right? The mm-hmm. Sins for the Witch. And that movie has a lot of great camera work and it has a lot of good mood and tone. But other than those things, didn't hold a lot for me. Mm-hmm. Whereas The Others has all of that, plus a really compelling story and really compelling acting. Yeah. And a twist that doesn't feel cheap. Uh, it feels completely earned. Um, even less cheap than The Sixth Senses twist, I think, in mm-hmm. terms of... Uh, 
anyway, I just love it. And, uh, you know, if I was going to encourage the listener to listen to, to watch one movie out of this year, that would be the first one I steered him towards. Nice. I think there is one slam dunk movie in this year, at least, and that's Amelie. Ah. Uh, I don't feel one bit guilty in any way uh, saying that that's the best movie of 2001. Well, and you've seen it. I've only seen it the once after you recommended it. Mm-hmm. And so you have a lot more history with it than I do. Yeah. Um, and so I, I guess that makes sense. Uh, yeah. I know you adore that movie. Yeah, it's fantastic. So I, that, that's my choice. Could not agree with you more, Chris. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree that Amelie is head and shoulders above everything. Now, Fellowship of the Ring is, you talk about cultural impact, you talk about cinematography and investment and things like that. Yeah, okay. And and people don't really talk about Amelie all that much these right. days. But man, go back and watch that again. It, it will blow your mind on how how it's shot, how it's performed, and how much you fall in love with not only the main character, but every character there. It just works on every level for me. It's going to test your brain and your mind and your head. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Talking about something for your mind, your body, and your soul. Okay, Luke, what you got? Yeah, so I haven't seen Amelie. Um, I was probably busy watching like Death, Death, Blood, Part 7 or some Mm -hmm. shit like that. You probably were, as we were all, yes. (laughs) Um. I, I agree that the others probably. I remember when that movie was out, like uh, people were talking about it, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, people would come back from the theaters, like, "Did you see this? I couldn't believe it." Blah blah blah. Uh, and we talked about the impact that it had on the genre as a whole. That being said, uh, the movie that I find myself going back and watching over and over and over again is actually Training Day. Yeah, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. very good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't on argue with list. that. Yeah, cannot argue with that at all. Yeah, King Kong's got nothing on you. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So right, Jacob, Jacob home, you baby. might be able to decide this. As bad as I want to go with Jeremy, because he does make some good arguments for the others. I'm going to go with one of my personal favorites. I got a little bit of a history with it, as you said. Um, man, I grew up just reading Tolkien. I didn't think I'd ever get to see like a good adaptation of Tolkien. And then when they announced it, you know, Frodo is um Elijah Wood. I was like, ah, oh, Flipper Kid? You know, so I'm already disappointed. <laughs> like, it can't be Flipper Kid. And the kid went, from North? Right. Like, motherfucker. No, come on, you know. But there's Ian McKellen in it, so I'm like, I'm going to give it a shot. I went to the theater. Mind was fucking blown. Went back multiple times. I've still seen it. Probably more than any other film, so it's just got a special place for me. So I've got to go with it. Five All different? Right. No, well, I guess Yo, Amelie yeah, still Amelie, wins. Amelie Amelie does wins. win because it's got two out of the five. That's right. Training I, day would have been my second. For film. some reason, because everybody said something different, I was expecting. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, Barrett said something different too. But so Chris so, and I win. Yay, Amelie. Yeah. Uh, I can't fault Training Day, The Others, or Fellowship of the Ring though. Those were all great movies. Um, so all it, all good choices. It shows you what kind of year this is that the disparity in picks there you know mm-hmm. from like fantasy to romance to whatever crime training action, day is. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so uh like we said earlier today with us today are is uh from the podcast modern horrors jacob hoggins and luke rodriguez Uh, you also have a YouTube channel, uh, Modern Horrors, and you also have a website, modernhorrors.com. That's, is that, would you consider that your main deal, the website? It wasn't supposed to be. It, the <laughs> podcast was supposed to be the main thing. And Luke was like, hey, I'm going to make us a website, so we've got a place to put this thing. And I was like, let's do it. And then next thing I know, he's got this incredible thing built, and it just 
gets legs of its own, it's gone. And we're like, oh, it's a okay, beautiful shit. website. Yeah, like, that's all Luke. That's all Luke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have yeah. a really addictive, like, uh, or obsessive personality, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted to do a few things. Like, uh, we, Jacob's like, hey, do you want to do this podcast? I'm like, yeah, sure. Uh, but, it, you know, it'd be really cool if we had just a landing page for it, if nothing else. Uh, and then one night, you know, I'm thinking about these movies. I'm like, man, I should probably, like, write a review for this or some shit. Because I was leaving, like, you know, a hundred word reviews on like Google plus or some shit like that. Some community that no one looked at, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so then like we started writing these little reviews and we wanted to make sure that before the podcast launched and that the website launched, that we had a plethora of content. Like we didn't want to w- launch a website and have like two articles and people go to them like, Oh, that's, that's neat. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the day that we opened, which was October 23rd of 2014. So we're coming up on our, our two years. Wow. Uh, we had a shit ton of content uh, just sitting there ready for people to come in and check out. Uh, but that was never really supposed to be the focus. The podcast was supposed to be the focus. But, uh, you know, after several months, we kind of got our format down. Jacob took some time away to build up his, his personal business on the side. And uh, in that time, um, you know, it kind of turned into this thing where, we were getting press opportunities on the West Coast, on the East Coast for some really cool things. Uh, I was meeting really cool people and directors and filmmakers all over the world and uh, getting enough information where we just couldn't do it on our own anymore. We never wanted to have a staff of people. Uh, it was just supposed to be me and Jacob in this podcast <laughs> the entire time. Uh, but we got to a point where now we have a staff of 11 writers uh, all around uh, the U.S. Uh, we've, we've got some in Canada. Uh, and we need those people now to fulfill all of the opportunities that we've had. So it's, it's been a really cool journey. Well, and the reason I feel like you have so much content is because of this sort of this DIY horror type of thing going on that has sort of like has exploded on Netflix and like a million of different ways that you can see horror movies. Now there's so much content out there. Like the other day, I'm asking Jacob, what are the best horror movies you've seen in the past year? And he gives me this laundry list of movies that I've never heard of before. And uh, then I go to Netflix and I'm like, oh, this is readily available. That's Uh amazing. You know, and that's probably, I mean, I I guess that's a great deal for them. Has it it usurped the Hollywood model at this point? Yeah, so that's a weird thing. So uh, public perception still plays a heavy role in the horror genre right now, perhaps now more than ever. Uh, so whenever a new project gets announced, people on Twitter, they always hit us up like, hey, is like, when's this going to be in theaters? And like, it's a different world now. You know, like <laughs> yeah. the answer is like, it's it's not going to be in theaters. And they're like, oh, so it's straight to DVD. I'm like, well, hey, fuck, <laughs> DVDs aren't really around anymore <laughs> either. So it's going to be straight to VOD. But people still act like that's a four letter word. But it isn't like uh, straight to VOD or self-publishing is like one of the best things to ever happen to the industry. Like period mm-hmm. you, know, you can go buy a dslr camera for a thousand bucks you know i uh, pick up adobe premiere for some color grading and editing and you can make a fucking feature film for you know a grand yeah it's, it's crazy well and you can see this more in these horror movies than i can i've seen in anything the the lack of a studio involvement is so stark in a lot of these movies that you guys talk about and everything uh like i you know i watched uh what is that movie where the the cops are going to go to the to the um baskin baskin, baskin. okay that is a movie you would never ever see a studio make no. uh first off it's gross as fuck <laughs> sure. uh but second off it's got so much like dialogue and like weird dream dreamlike sequences in it and I, I've never seen anything quite like it. I don't even know if I do like that movie, 
but man, I respect what it does. And it's, it's hard for me because it's like, I don't know if I really like this. And it's a kind of a good horror movie, I guess, but I don't know. So the, the weird thing about that one, and Jacob can probably talk more about this one is, uh, you know, a lot of what we're able to do now and, and, and people have always found uh, hidden meanings or like uh, subversive meetings in, in, in horror movies. Maybe they don't exist. Like, you know, the shining being a fucking front for the moon landing, being a hoax or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. like some of it just gets crazy. Right. Right. But some of it's also really legit and like these political statements and whatnot. And this is one of those movies. I mean, uh, we, we do this series on YouTube called fright logic where uh, we take some of these movies like Baskin that you watch, uh, you know, had, had we been around when Donnie Darko probably came out, we'd be doing one on Donnie Darko, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those movies that you're just like, what the hell did I just watch? Like, what? Did an airplane just crash? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, you're, you're you're trying to dissect all that. So we uh, we talk to directors, we talk to writers, we talk to studio heads. Like, hey, what what happened here? And then we make a video about it all. Uh, Jacob was talking to uh, Con Evernall, who is the writer-director of Baskin. And I, mean, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but shit is going down in Turkey right now. No, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and this movie is like a whole thing. I mean, Jacob's talking to him on the phone, trying to get the the download basically. And there's you know machine gun fire happening in the back. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I was like, hey, let's just email because you know there's a little bit of time difference. And I was like, it's just going to be way easier if me and you talk email. And he's like, ooh, uh, can we do this over the phone instead? I'm like, uh, okay, bro. Yeah. Like, it sounds a little crazy. So we did it over the phone. But yeah, I think there's a lot lost in translation there. But mm-hmm. I, it's even somewhat divisive. In the horror genre itself, but I think it's because it's like your experience with it, Chris. It's like, oh, it's really awesome looking. It's got a lot of cool things, but I don't know if I understand what the fuck's going on. And even after talking to to Evernall, I'm not sure that I 100% understand, but it did clear up some of the, um, you know, subtle political statements he's kind of trying to make. I definitely want to get back to this DIY stuff, but since we are like you know, lame mainstream type of channel here. Uh, I do want to talk about the stuff that's come out in the theaters this year. Um, there's been a couple of good ones, like 10 Cloverfield lane was oh, an enjoyable yeah, movie. Sure. Um, but then there was the controversy that was the witch or the vivid. Mm-hmm. Even you guys didn't like them, which I'm, I'm happy to hear. <laughs> uh, but also I wish there was somebody here who loved it. They could tell me why they love. Even it. if they were here, they wouldn't be able to tell you why. Yeah. they would just say you don't understand. Yeah, that's yeah. the argument. <laughs> well, and and that's yeah, that's a yeah, that's an argument. And that's... we are definitely standing alone in the in the subgenre of horror with our hate of the witch. Yeah. Well, we got plenty of backlash sure. from sin in that movie. There was a, an unexpected wave of people who love it, and yeah. I'm like, okay, like I. I would much rather hear somebody tell me I enjoyed it or it was good than telling me it was fantastic because yeah. this movie is confusing as fuck on purpose. <laughs> and when you spend that kind of time and money to give me a middle finger, I'm not going to give it an A+. plus. I might go, I enjoyed some elements or I had fun with it. Even if I don't understand how anyone can look at that as a masterpiece. Yeah, there's there's one point in there where actually all of us kind of came to a consensus that it, like I think it came from Chris originally that this movie's actually going for something, mm-hmm. and we gave it credit for going for something. But that's all you could really say about it, really, yeah. like, to make it like it's unusual in in the genre. I and guess. I never felt like super unsettled during it. I mean, yeah, there's some gross things yeah. in it where they you know they're gross enough, you know, baby guts on the yeah. you know all that stuff. But uh, it's it's never to the point where I'm like, I'm, I'm really feeling like... Or weirdly loud pomegranate jam. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> weirdly loud pomegranate jam. Uh, but uh, but yeah, there's stuff like that in it, but it's just... Oh, yeah, man. I I really... I, I actually wish we had somebody who 
Love the movie in here, and so we could beat the hell out of beat them. the hell out of them, <laughs> and and just hates the fuck out of our sins video yeah. and tells us where we're wrong about it. But anyway, what did you guys think of The Conjuring Two? Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm a big fan of James Wan in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's uh, one of the 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 best horror filmmakers of our generation. To mm-hmm. be quite honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said. We kind of rehashed a lot of things, same things that we've been seeing in the genre for a while. A lot of the same things that James Wan himself sort of repopularized mm-hmm. uh, over the course of you know, X amount of years. Um, it's in- it's entertaining. I'm mm-hmm. not going to say it's not entertaining. Um, I thought it struggled with the whole um, what was the CGI character's name? The Crooked Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the Crooked Man. He had a there. name. He did, he have, did a have a name. Yeah, yeah. I just cussed at him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, he he's kind of it's a stop motion type of thing. Yeah, like it's uh yeah. I guess it. I mean, and I, I understand that that kind of jerky motion is supposed to be a little bit get, get you unsettled and everything. But it's very strange. Other than that, like yeah. there's something about it that's just not right about well, it. I mean, he he. First off, he said he wasn't going to do horror movies anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went off and he did Fast and Furious. Mm-hmm. I think he's on- online for for Aquaman now. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Um, but so I, I believe that like he was sitting there in a production. He was like, hey, we're going to have this, this CGI thing. He's going to be cracking the ceiling. And all this is going to go down. And someone's like, bro, we got three million dollars to do this. So they took his idea and had to scale it down. And whenever they scaled it down, like it just didn't translate very well on screen. At least it didn't for me. I mean, every, it just looked cheap and out of place. Yeah. I mean, now this movie is beautifully shot. Like oh, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Like it was, it was one of those where I was like, damn, this guy is on another level on this, on this type of thing right now. He, he does this thing. That's pretty effective. I, mean, I don't think he's ever going to get away from it, that he keeps doing that whole, like cut away to something, and it's there's nothing there and it cuts back to the person and they're just like looking off it cuts away we see nothing again and it cuts back and he's got he's positioned your eyes to a certain point where he'll put that that demon like right there (laughs) behind somebody's shoulder and he does that he did that in either the first conjuring or insidious Insidious. it was insidious he did that yeah. yeah Yeah, uh, which was one of the biggest scares of the of that movie. But one of the better things is, is he's very, very good at doing that, uh, but he's also good at making you think he's about to do that yeah. and not doing <laughs> it. Right. So then you never really know when it's going to happen. Yeah. Because you, you might say, like, oh, well, well you know, they're, they're looking in the medicine cabinet. They opened it up. They're going to shut it, and there's going to be someone standing behind him in the fucking mirror or something <laughs> like that. But there isn't. So you're like, oh, well, they didn't do that. And then as soon as they turn around, then it gets you, you know? Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's kind of using these cliches that have been used for so long sort of against themselves uh, mm. to, to, to be effective, which is very cool. Yeah. Um, there's a couple that I haven't seen. Maybe you guys can uh, talk about it. Don't Breathe was a huge, mm. huge hit. Um, still going. I'm going pretty strong, actually, for um, an independent. Well, I mean, a somewhat independent. You can't really call this independent anymore, <laughs> nah. considering what your your genre is. But have you guys seen Don't Breathe? I didn't get to see it yet. Luke has, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, this, this movie kicks ass. Oh, yeah? Uh, unfortunately, horror, uh, probably all movies, uh, but horror specifically, uh, we, we have a trailer problem right now. Mm-hmm. We have a massive trailer problem. Definitely. Uh, where the filmmakers have no say in it, uh, but their, their movies are just getting ruined in trailers, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Don't Breathe was probably one of the most egregious uh, examples of that. Definitely. No period. Yeah. Uh, they, they show almost everything that happens. There's a twist that happens in the middle. They spoil that. I mean, it is, it's it's absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were actually able to see this back in March at the South by Southwest Film Festival. And, uh, you know, word coming out of it was just like, hey, like this, this movie's rad, but 
do not watch the trailer, you know, because everything is right there. So whenever we were getting trailers sent over from press companies, we refused to run them. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not going to feed the beast, you know, like, this, yeah, this, that's part of the problem. Yeah. Um, and another one that came out recently that did not connect Blair Witch, the, um, you know, the sort of, I guess, right. yeah, uh, re redo remake. What is it? Re- what do you call it? It's a sequel. Actually, is it yeah, a sequel? sequel? Yeah. Straight yeah. up sequel. Though. Straight up sequel. Hmm. Uh, not a good one, but it's a straight up. <laughs> it's a straight up sequel. But but the ad man, there was a guy from uh, Fangoria or whatever the fuck that said oh. it was the best movie he's ever seen. Yeah. Come on now. <laughs> that is, that's actually uh, his, his name is Brad Miska. He's from uh, Bloody Disgusting. Oh, uh, OK. And he's a fucking joke. Oh, yeah. Honest. Yeah, he really we is. might not be. Friends. Oh, man. Thank God. God. I read that. I, read. <laughs> now, I think you guys talked about it when was Jonathan on on that episode when you guys were talking about it. And I think you actually mentioned it. I know me and Luke talked about it, too. It would have been a much better movie had it been just The Woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We we did actually talk about yeah. that with him yeah. here. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, why? it's one of those things where they have to have a franchise name yeah. for something. And, and you know, there. And I saw this in a Cracked article recently where they were talking about how there, there'll be movies that they're making that that have nothing to do with a franchise. And then, like, in the last minute, they're like, let's call this <laughs> Fast and the Furious 9. Right. Well, I mean, that actually happened with Tin Cloverfield Lane. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Exactly. Abrams is trying to make this movie. And, like, well, he knew that he, I mean, we got to have some sort of established brand recognition to go with. So, like, hey, well, how about we make this other movie that's, quote, unquote, the same universe right but really just do whatever we want to do and say you know it's a cloverfield movie which yeah, fuck it worked i guess well it's the reason why that whole alien thing at the end feels tacked on yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then you realize later oh it was tacked <laughs> on <laughs> <laughs> what else so is there any- well what do you guys all right so if, if you're like a, a comedy writer or something like that like you watch comedies and, and you want things to make you laugh like do, do things after watching as much as you guys have watched, do they things still unsettle you or actually like scare you with these movies? Sometimes, uh, we do see a lot. It kind of it will desynthesize you to uh, you know a certain level. But yeah, there's but it's almost always some weird indie project that no one else is talking about outside of the genre. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the last thing that we saw that was just like you know what. Speaking of unsettling, I know one that come to mind was Landmine Goes Click. That was out of uh, what was it Georgia, the country Georgia, yeah, yeah. and it's just really, really dark, disturbing behavior of human beings, and it, it was an uncomfortable watch. Uh, when we reviewed it, we were like, "Man, this is an amazing movie, but we will never watch it again." <laughs> oh, really? Ever. Yeah, it's, it's one like of those. one time, and I'm done. Wow, yeah, it's, it's heavy. I mean, you, you uh, watching the trailer and stuff, you might think that it plays out a very uh, stereotypical sort of situation, uh, but it, it really morphs into something else by the end of the movie, and it's uh. One of the few movies that after the credits roll, I'm just like, exhale and just say, like, fuck. You know, <laughs> out loud. I mean, that, that was deep. Yeah. Um, that being said, you know, it's, it's a very small scale movie. So you have to go in uh, with measured expectations. Uh, but I think it, what's really important is to understand, like, the horror genre isn't really always there to scare you. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not really the point. I mean, uh, yeah. you've got the horror comedies. You've got like the horror thrillers, like Don't Breathe. I mean, that, Don't Breathe isn't a scary movie. It's just mm-hmm. really intense. And it just has so much graphic shit, you know, pushed into it to where you can't really call it anything else. You know, it, it doesn't fit anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people will say that on Twitter, like when we say, like, we really love this movie. And we gave it like an eight or something. Uh, did you guys see uh, Green Room? Yeah, yeah. I did. Okay. I did. Yeah. So I really, really liked Green Room. Um, and whenever we covered it, people agreed that it was a good movie. But they're like, well, that's not a horror movie, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, well, maybe it's not. But it's got so much just 
really gratuitous violence in there where you, yes. can't, you can't really call it anything else. Right. That's, that's what happens with our genre a lot. It becomes a catch-all because there are these movies that won't fit in any other place. And so, yeah, I think people who just hop in on Halloween time, they're like, well, I, I expect something to scare me. I think me. some of this is genre-wide, and that's why you sure. get a movie like The Martian that's Golden Globe nominated as a comedy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. yeah. <laughs> the Martian doesn't fit, too, doesn't fit cleanly enough into any one genre, and it ends up being called a comedy. That, I bet that happens more in horror than anywhere else. Anytime somebody wants to do something extreme, it's like, well, we ain't got nowhere else to go. Horror. And that's the power of expectation because I was told Green Room was a horror movie when I went to go see it. And I was sitting there going, when, where's the horror <laughs> right. coming out? Like, you guys introduced some Nazis. Okay, that's cool. I, mean, I can see some horror coming out of that. And then like, uh, and then they're locked in the room. Like, okay, well, so I guess some uh, yeah. Nazi zombies are going to come through the wall or something like that. And it's like, no, it's just a really, really violent movie. And, you know, stuff like that. It was it was pretty good. Yeah. I, I liked yeah. it. I really enjoyed it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I... You guys brought bring up basically a great question. Then what makes a great horror movie? And I'm sure that that is a divisive topic because there are people who like gore, and then there are people who like psychological stuff, which is me. Uh, gore has never interested me. I know you love gore, Luke. I mean, yeah, I, I, I do. Uh, I think we call them gore hounds in the industry. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of that comes from just love of practical effects and from like a yeah. technical mastery level. Like, how the hell did they do that? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, we just did a huge piece on the website uh, on a movie called The Mind's Eye. And we actually had the the effects team uh, write a guest editorial for us just taking us through, you know, blowing up wax head molds with shotguns. And it was so cold that they had to add vodka to their blood mix to keep it from freezing on the set. Oh, wow. Just like crazy, crazy stuff that, you know, only you only get that kind of story in a, in a you know, a $1.5 million budget harbor. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's just soulful stuff. As far as what makes it, shit, I don't know, man. Uh, expectation is a big part of it. Uh, as far as like if a movie is trying to scare you, if, if that's the point, which as we've said, that's not always the point. Uh, but if it is trying to scare you, um, I would go as far to say 80% to 85% of it comes down to who is your sound engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, so much of horror relies upon sound. Uh, there's the famous story of John Carpenter finishing the original Halloween and taking it in. And uh, the executives are like, well, this wasn't fucking scary. Like, you want me to run this? Mm-hmm. So he goes home and he bangs out a couple notes on his, you know, keyboard yeah. and he you know, takes it back and like, this is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. You know? Yeah. Um, so, and that has evolved over the years. I mean, you've got some really talented sound engineers working in the genre right now. And, uh, Whenever it comes to creating fear and dread, that's so important. I mean, you've got people using subsonic sounds that you cannot hear, but mm-hmm. you can yeah. feel right. that make you uncomfortable. And you don't know why you're feeling uncomfortable, but it's, but it's all a sound engineer doing that and, and eliciting that feeling out of you. And that's fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah. Awesome and terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait till the terrorists get a hold of that technology. <laughs> yes. You, yeah, was, uh, well, you brought up the my favorite horror movie is Halloween, like by mm. far, easily. Um and the sound is, of course, uh, really effective in it. But I also think his use of the camera, where everything's sort of creeping on the edge of the frame mm-hmm. and stuff like that, we don't see that very much in horror movies anymore. You're talking about James Wan. I think he's pretty close to using that camera in sure. such a way, even though it's more editing tricks than it is. Well, the, the problem comes, uh, and I'm sure this is you guys experience this. I, I, every genre probably experiences this. But we get a lot of people that complain about not being original. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, because if, if you're going to do that, they're like, oh, you're just copying Halloween. You're copying this. And then when you try to do something original, like, well, this sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, like, what, the, what, do, you, what do you want? <laughs> right. You know? I yeah, mean, exactly. And I and I will give points for a movie being original every time. It doesn't. It could be sucky. And I'll be like, well, at least they tried something. I You have to try something. Right. Every time. If, if everybody did that, then you would have so many more great movies. Yeah, some are going to suck because that's the way math works. Sure. Uh, but, but it's... <laughs> it, but. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think that's why we like, and we were talking about it a little bit during the break, is our, our boy Mickey Keating, this mm-hmm. really young director. And we we love this guy. And he's not always a hit every time he makes a movie, which is crazy to think at 24 you've got multiple movies already. Mm-hmm. Uh, but every movie is so different. It, you, you could look at him and you would never guess, oh, yeah, this is totally a Mickey Keaton movie. They're just not. And sometimes they're a hit, sometimes they're a miss. But he doesn't care like if you know it lands with some people or if it doesn't. He's just like kind of stretching these directorial chops and trying to see what that vision's going to be and i i like that yeah well, this is why it, my personal biggest pet peeve with the horror genre is the, all the sequels and i get oh, it right yeah. like i know why studios like horror movies they're generally cheaper mm-hmm. i know why studios like micro budget horror movies like paranormal activity because Super cheap. activity because they're even cheaper <laughs> and and you de- you make a decent horror movie i swear to god without looking i could go look on Mo- box office mojo and every single horror movie ever made has earned between 40 and 50 million at the box office right <laughs> they're going to make some kind of return from that college casual crowd you've got your hardcore horror fans who are probably going to see everything that's out there but even the fact that the conjuring 2 existed bothers me because mm-hmm. i liked the first conjuring uh, maybe mm. what's missing is Ron Livingston in the second one. <laughs> but anyway, I, I liked the first one. It felt real. That world, that haunting, everything about it. There were it was genuinely chilling to me. This feels like we even we're doing this movie soon for sins. I guess I'm spoiling right. that. But there's even a sins. I think Chris wrote in there about how this is basically Insidious Four. Like yeah. you got Patrick <laughs> Wilson in here. Like yeah. Well, here's the cool thing about. I mean, maybe cool depending on your your outlook of it. Uh, they're doing something um, sneaky, right? So you've got the 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 Conjuring, uh, which are basically it, it wasn't supposed to be called the Conjuring at first. It was supposed to be called the Warren Files, mm-hmm. and it was Ed and Lorraine Warren. And so really, they have so many stories basically that yeah. you could just keep doing this shit forever if you wanted to. Yeah. But what they're doing now is they're making this universe. Um, the first spinoff was Annabelle, right? Yeah. Annabelle came from the first Conjuring movie. Yep. Uh, in the second Conjuring, you have the Nun. Uh, yeah. Now there's going to be a spinoff for the nun. So they're they're having this universe now, not dissimilar. It, it gets thrown a lot, around a lot, but people want to have like the success of the Avengers universe. You want all these different these independent popular franchises, and you want them to be able to come together. So and like, be like a, a mega. fifth movie, is she going to have to square off against all of them at once, like the <laughs> nun and the doll and the kid from Insidious? Dude, I, I would not rule it out. Well, well I don't know. There's something, to, there's something stupid. to be said about. Not necessarily within movies, but in TV as a genre of, of the anthology type of mentality, right? Yeah. Like whether it's something like VHS or, or you know, with American Horror Story or something like that, where you reset. Maybe there's some or parallels Fargo in there. Does the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the, within the horror genre, though, I feel like you can set up a universe and and go to different places in it. It's just that they, with these sequels, they typically take the same characters and they rehash it, rehash the same stories. But there is a way that can be done, like Tales from the Dark Side and like, you know, Twilight Zone and, you know, Friday the 13th series. I think Jeremy has a legitimate complaint as much as I do like Conjuring 2, that that one was a lot heavier handed with 
hey, look at the nun. This nun's going to be a character. The nun. The nun. Yeah. Because I felt like it, we were taken away a little bit from our main story of the house and the crooked man. I'd have preferred to see more of the crooked man as goofy as you guys might have thought he was. But. Yeah. Well, and I, and I really hated just the whole, you know, by the ending of that movie. Hated it so much. Um, well, the ending was very weak, I thought. Oh, so bad. Um, the, the, uh, the, the the last minute discovery on the way back. And, oh, my yeah, God. Was, uh, <laughs> and, letters and, on the bookshelf. And like, and like, yeah, and like, oh, oh, I couldn't detect the evil presence there because... Uh, because reasons, you know, <laughs> um, it's wearing a tinfoil hat. Yeah, just yeah. The signals. Um, but I, the thing about sequels that I've been thinking about this recently, the, the thing that I hate about sequels is that I think that we're willing to suspend our disbelief for one movie. If a whole bunch of stuff happens to somebody in one movie, we're mm-hmm. good with that. But once it starts becoming two, three, four, and five, then they're living it in all that. It becomes more and more unreal and ridiculous kind of like fast and the furious movies you know what I mean? like there is they shouldn't survive one movie but even if we were like <laughs> able to be like okay they survived that one movie now there's six other movies you know like come on you can't keep smashing cars through buildings i mean if you went back in time and just gave those characters superpowers i don't think i'd have a problem with no, that might as well right because then a lot of what happens makes sense. Yeah. But without superpowers, those movies are fucking ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> this um, is why people that aren't in the horror genre don't like horror because it's like strangled by big production companies yes. like Blumhouse. And this is Blumhouse's bread and butter is this constantly, let's tie it back into the other thing, the other thing. And any movie they have from the producers of Insidious, The Conjuring, you yep. name all these fucking movies yeah. every time. And that's, but that's, that's so much other good things out there to see. Yeah, and that's a bummer because everyone's afraid of it. Like everyone looks at modern horrors, which is the name of our fucking website, <laughs> right? Um, they, they they look at those and they're like, well, you know, horror's dead. You know, every single time someone's like, oh, horror's dead, Blair Witch flops, horror's dead, you know, something like that. But they and they don't realize all of just the gold that's in that VOD space right now, coming from guys like Mickey Keating and Joe Bigos and Eric England and just some really really talented young up and coming directors uh, that are trying different things. Uh, mm-hmm. Some again, sometimes they're not successful, but they're fucking out there trying. Yeah. Um, even uh, like a uh, Last Shift or something like that. Oh, yeah. That's on. That's on Netflix. I mean, that's more of a traditional horror movie it that is. people seem to like. But the, I mean, it's it's just because it's traditional. Well, in one movie that you guys recommended to me that does not fit in that horror, at least the easy horror genre that I know, is uh, He Never Died. You guys, uh, yeah. you guys brought that up to me, and I was like, okay, I'll watch this and everything. Henry Rollins turns in one of the most interesting performances i mean it's great like it's i'm not saying interesting like oh well he tried something there (laughs) (laughs) it actually works beautifully for it and like there's a there's a point where you're laughing through this whole like on and it's on purpose oh yeah like the the, the laughs are on purpose but he's great in it you know and and uh, you know it's he never died he there's a point where like the girl that his love interest is like name some jobs and he goes through like like a hundred jobs like you couldn't possibly do this in one lifetime because he's lived like 70 <laughs> lifetimes you know um but just the way he is in that whole movie i i really enjoyed that and everything people love to talk about that film i think that's got the by far the most comments on our youtube review of that that particular movie everyone wants to discuss like what's that ending uh you know what is this what is that what is this and they just love it and there's a lot of that and i what's cool is you can go back and you can watch it you can enjoy the film for all those reasons 
or you can just watch it and enjoy it for the face value. And I, I really dig that. Yeah. yeah. That one came from a guy named uh, Jason Krofschek, who's another super young, you know, up and coming filmmaker. Uh, if you liked that one, you might be happy to know that they're currently optioning, uh, past optioning now. I mean, they're in development of a uh, Netflix original series for you. Really? Time. Yeah. Oh, and, and it's perfect Netflix fodder. Yes. Like, oh, absolutely. It's absolutely perfect. Well, and I was going to bring up Netflix in terms of like, I think the VOD thing is going to change. I think the stigma is going to change about that just because of what Netflix has been doing uh, with, with Stranger Things. But mm-hmm. it really started with House of Cards. Uh, yeah. And they're going to do that with movies. Mm-hmm. They're going to do that for all genres of movies. And uh, Another one that uh, we, we recommended that Chris watch was uh, The Invitation. Yeah, and I um, loved that. That th- was the out of the ones that you recommended, that was my favorite. That's <laughs> that the, highest, the only good one. That's the <laughs> highest review I've ever given a, a horror movie on the website was The Invitation. I, yeah. I, I absolutely love that movie. Um, but that one is one that Netflix actually acquired out of festival, uh, out of South by Southwest. So, and they're starting to do that. They did that with Hush. Uh, I mean, they're, they're doing that. So you're right. I mean, that is something that's happening right now, but I don't know if people, if the general public will understand like, Oh, that's a Netflix original movie. Yeah. Well, not really. I mean, they just bought it at a film festival and there's like 50 other awesome movies that were at that film festival that didn't get bought. that just got dumped on VOD somewhere that you'll probably never Yeah, all I really meant was just that people will be less afraid to watch something mm-hmm. because it's VOD. Uh, It'll like, lose that dirty it, connotation. But there's always going to be that DIY well, underground yeah. space, no and matter what. by the what. way, don't pay attention to the Netflix ratings when you oh watch them. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, in fairness, I believe, isn't it for like what Netflix thinks you will like? Or am I wrong on that? I'm not sure. Is it based off of what you've already rated? Maybe? I've never rated anything. I've never rated anything. Okay. Either. So, no, you're right, though. Because I, I think even the invitation, whenever I looked at it, it had like two and a half stars. Yeah. Like, what? I mean, and, and so I, my, my, the thought that runs through my head on those ratings is what did you expect to see when you watch this movie? I mean, I can imagine like a family of four, like all like, let's g- gather in front of the couch and watch, you know, Baskin ladies and gentlemen. And like, and like, and, and, you know, they watch it and like, well, that was unsatisfactory. You know? um, <laughs> I really love the invitation though, because this is one that doesn't fit easily into the genre either. Mm-hmm. It's a drama ostensibly and then it has uh the ending of this movie is one of the best <laughs> endings i've ever seen so me and jacob uh on our podcast we used to have like uh we, we've evolved since then but we used to have this topic of the week and one of these we we're just discussing you know our favorite subgenre of horror movies and at well, some point he was like hey i like the supernatural stuff and i was like hey well i like the slasher stuff but now that we've been doing this for so long we've had so many uh projects come I mean, that is our new favorite thing. I mean, mm-hmm. these, these you know, dramedy horrors, basically, where it's just a really fucking good movie throughout mm-hmm. the whole thing. And at the end, it just stabs you in the gut yeah. with something, you know? Uh, and that's super cool. I mean, there's, there's a movie called uh, Last Girl Standing, mm-hmm. uh, which it looks like uh, it would be like a slasher movie, but it's not. Like, it, it begins at the end of a slasher movie. Right. Mm -hmm. Where, where you know, all of her friends get murdered and blah, blah, blah. But then it picks up from there and follows this girl's life on what it's like to survive some shit like that. Like the psychological trauma that would come along with that. Uh, It's a really interesting take on it. And this is the kind of shit that people are doing that just no one really understands and that's a bummer yeah i i i love all that type of stuff if if you could have that kind of thing going on with all genres like it would be interesting to see like again no studio interference with a lot of these movies but yeah you wouldn't be able to i don't think you would be able to market maybe they kind of marketed comedies this way there's a lot of like 
DIY comedies almost. So so there's uh, me and Jacob were really disappointed with this one movie called. This one's actually on Netflix as well. It was called Uncaged, right? Mm-hmm. So we got this trailer that looked like it was going to be a sweet ass werewolf movie, right? Yeah. So like we contacted them, we're like, hey. Send us that sweet ass werewolf movie, uh, and they did, and it was not a sweet ass werewolf. Movie. Uh, what it was was fucking hilarious. Oh, really? Uh, like, like outward, like side, like gut splitting, funny, right? So, uh, me and Jacob are talking about it on the show. Like, we're kind of, you know, not loving the horror aspect of it, but like, hey, it's so funny. Like, it really had that early Judd Apatow kind of humor to it. And the writer actually hit me up on Twitter afterwards on a DM, and he was like. Hey, you know, I noticed you guys were saying you didn't like the horrors, you know, stuff. He's like, that's because we didn't write a horror movie. Yeah. He was like, we wrote a comedy and you cannot get uh, independent financing for comedies anywhere. Right. He's like, so we threw a werewolf in it and we got funding like that. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Because fairness, though, the genre as a whole has a marketing problem. Yeah. Like they they want to pitch you one movie. And then they show you a different movie. Oh, and so yeah. a lot of times I'll sit there personally and I'll judge it on based on how you sold it to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you want to sell me something, then that's how I'm going to judge you. Yeah. Uh, which isn't always necessarily fair to the movie per se. But I mean, like, that's what pisses people off. And that's why people stay away sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, you know, getting just briefly about the comedy, you go to Netflix and see comedies. But to your point. They almost always have like Saturday Night Live cast members who wrote the script or are <laughs> in it or something like that. And that's the only reason it's made. I've seen some horrible comedies on Netflix. Oh, yeah. They deserve their one star rating. <laughs> um, Shout uh, out to Deathgasm, though. It does yeah. not deserve a one star. Which death one? Deathgasm. Deathgasm? New Zealand, right? Yeah. yeah. What is that about? Is that about a deathgasm? It is. It really kind of is. <laughs> it's about, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's about this uh, this kid that moves to New Zealand to live with his ultra-religious like aunt and uncle, mm-hmm. uh, but he's the only kid there that likes metal, right? <laughs> so one day he uh, he goes to the local shop and meets this other guy that's like a, a metalhead as well, and they ended up uh, breaking into this house that uh, is from some like uh, famous New Zealand. It's like they're Ozzy Osbourne, basically, right? So they're breaking into Ozzy Osbourne's house, uh, and they steal this record. And this record ends up being uh, no, I'm sorry, it's, it has sheet music inside of it. Mm-hmm. So they decide they're going to start a band and play that sheet music. But that sheet music summons the fucking devil, <laughs> and, and everyone like it, it's kind. It's kind of like. The pick of destiny. From yeah, Tenacious yeah. Team. I was about to say, like, it sounds a lot like that. Buckets and buckets of gore and just outrageously <laughs> funny. Dialogue. Death by anal beads and dildos. Ooh. Uh, okay. Know. Well, I'm, wa- need to know. I'm watching that. Movie, <laughs> just when I was feeling awkward about all my blowy references. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is probably this is probably me. the dirtiest uh, episode we've ever done. Right. Well, that's a terrific band name. Well, we're Death here. By anal so. beads. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before we uh, go on to our Q and A and everything like that, talk about what you think are the best movies this past year, and we we've mentioned a few of them. And mm-hmm. uh, tell us what you're looking forward to, because I know today I saw Jacob talking about uh, one of these movies, oh, that Jordan yeah. Peele's coming mm-hmm. out with. But, sure. Uh, but uh, tell us what you think uh, people should go if they're really interested in this type of thing. Uh, what should they go for? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, it comes down to expectations. Uh, I I haven't been scared by a movie in a very long time. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, I don't watch these kinds of movies to be scared. I I watch them to, you know, maybe be surprised or shocked or, you know, technically marveled or something like that. Uh, So I I recommend Green Room if you haven't seen it. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really tense movie uh, by a really talented filmmaker. He also did Blue Ruin, uh, which if you haven't seen that one. Yeah, I've heard about that. Go watch Blue Ruin. It is very good as well. Is he two-thirds of the way through a color trilogy? He (laughs) really is. is. (laughs) He really is. 
Um, but there, there are other movies, uh, Carnage Park from Mickey Keating, which is really good. It's, uh, you know, damn near Tarantino-esque, you know, as far as its dialogue and the film style is concerned. Uh, what, what else you got, Jacob? Man, uh, so stop stop going to see Rob Zombie. That'll, that'll solve part of your problems. <laughs> um, I really like a lot of the foreign stuff that's coming out. Uh, we just watched one that was Under the Shadow. It was yeah. set in uh, Tehran in the 80s. It's super cool. I love almost anything that comes out of uh, some kind of Spanish region. Mm-hmm. Most of that shit's really super. Uh, you mentioned Baskin. I know that wasn't your favorite, but mm-hmm. you definitely need to set yourself up for expectations on that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And I think really that is a big part of it, uh, really kind of knowing what you're going to be getting when you go into some of these things, yeah. or at least having a better idea. Uh, there's another one called uh, I Am Not a Serial Killer uh, with oh, yeah. Christopher Lloyd. Is it? Oh, wow. Um, which, That's actually pretty good. Yeah. It, it's really good. Uh, more, It's more in that uh, like a drama horror sort of space that turns into something completely different at the end. Uh, that one is absolutely worth a watch. Uh, there's some really good stuff coming out of Canada. One's called The Unseen. I think it's still working its way through film festivals. But this is the guy that did the special effects uh, for you know Iron Man and Deadpool and you know all these enormous you know budget movies. Uh, he he tried his hand at like a supernatural horror movie independently in Canada, and it's really cool. It's about this guy that uh, is slowly turning invisible, um, <laughs> but not like in a Hollow Man creepy rapey kind of way. Right? Like it's like a flesh eating disease that's, that, oh that's slowly eating his skin and making him turn invisible. It's pretty impressive huh. visually. Yeah, and his like, daughter is. His daughter has disappeared, and he fears that she has the same illness oh or whatever. Oh, my God. So that sounds to pretty good. Her. It's really good. And yeah. it's one of those, definitely, expectation-wise, not really a horror film, other no. than the fact that the things they show, you can't really throw that anywhere else. Yeah, so. yeah. All right, and then uh, what, what's what's coming out that we should be looking for? Uh, so you mentioned the Jordan Peele movie, Get Out. Get Out, yeah. Um, I think it's coming out at a perfect time. It's definitely one of those kind of racially charged. Yeah. Of, maybe a sprinkle of... Stepford Wives kind of thing going Looks on like there. Looks like it. Um, not really sure yet what we're going to get out of that, but it's definitely interesting. It's piqued a lot of people's interest because he's got a huge following. Yeah. So they're going to watch it, which is, will be interesting to see how that plays out because it doesn't look like there's going to be much comedy in this thing. Well, yeah, right. I mean, he's, his audience is there for the comedy. Right, right? yeah. So, gonna, so I'm curious to I'm see I'm always interested when somebody known for something as extreme as comedy does something as extreme the opposite as like make a horror yeah. movie. Yeah. We were surprised. He knows his horror shit. Like, uh, brief conversations through different messages we're like oh well, okay this guy legitimately knows what the hell he's talking if about if you watch key and peel even their funny horror sketches sure have yeah. the mood of real good horror movies like uh i just like i like they kind of know what yes. they're doing here like this isn't just some you know they're just they're not trumping anything up to be they're really making yeah. these scary looking and everything the, the good news is, is uh, if you watch the get out trailer and it seems like something you'd be into uh, we're actually going to have Jordan Peele on the Modern Horrors podcast oh, in the near future. That, we'll about it. that is a beautiful uh, get right there. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, we have also got uh, Fantastic Fest just wrapped up. So in our industry, like festival season is the biggest thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you go to these film festivals to watch these movies ahead of time that might not get formal distribution for like another year, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got one called Safe Neighborhood who has the same the same two kids from The Visit, Shyamalan's yeah. The Visit. The same mm. two kids are in this. But it's like a horror version of Home Alone, <laughs> yeah. um, which is one of the highlights coming out of Fantastic Fest. It was incredible. Uh, the Autopsy of Jane Doe. There's one called The Lore, which is like this musical thing about killer mermaids that is super just, oh, my God, it's uh, it's Polish. Uh, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's it's it just visually spectacular. Yeah. Jeez. Um, I like the dark song. 
Dark. I haven't actually, actually I haven't watched that one. It's yet. pretty good. Watch it. Um, so I might watch the Dark Song, uh, The Void, which is like a throwback to um, you know crazy practical effects '80s movies, you know, from back in the mm-hmm. day with demons and whatnot. Uh, that one's going to be really cool. Lots of really awesome stuff to look forward to. What do you guys think of Stranger Things, by the way? Oh, loved it. Loved Absolutely it. loved it. It yeah. was one of those like I didn't really want to binge watch it. Kind of wanted to savor it, but it just that wasn't an option. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea it was eight episodes, and I watched <laughs> four of them, and then like I was like, okay, well, I got about eight or nine left or whatever, and then I got to the eighth one. I was like, kind of feels like this is the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, hold on one second. <laughs> this is weird. Yes. Like, is there's a more, they're gonna like they're gonna go down a trap door, and there's gonna be more story. Yep. Now. All right. Well, uh, I'm gonna thank uh, you guys for coming in today. Yeah, and, us. um and uh, if you guys want to uh, check them out, they've got the Modern Horrors podcast where you can hear them talk about these movies ad nauseum if you want. And they yep. play games and stuff. Yeah. And I was in an episode once. You were. Jordan yeah. Peele's coming up. And Jordan right. Peele's yeah. going to be on there. Send your hate mail our way. That's right. <laughs> but uh, also modernhorrors.com where you'll get to see their reviews and their upcoming previews and all this other type of stuff. If you're really into that stuff. It's a beautiful website, by the way. Thank you. Beautiful Thank you. website. And um, and you can go also to YouTube for Modern Horrors and look at the reviews there. You guys got like mm-hmm. five and six minute reviews of stuff there, too. So, yeah, I mean, that's something that we're really trying to grow. Uh, we are obviously not even fucking close to where you guys are right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is it is a goal of ours. Uh, just our genre as a whole just doesn't have that much reach. Right. Mm-hmm. So we'll never be there. Uh, but we do feel like we have a far better product than anyone else that's doing horror. So yeah, uh, if that's into your if that's your thing, check us out. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, that's great. great. Well, uh, we're going on to Q and A now. Yeah. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. Quick reminder to get on the uh, CinemaSins subreddit, reddit.com/r/cinemasins, and there's a weekly uh, question thread up at the top, pinned there. First question is one that immediately intrigued us. If you could build your own personal entourage consisting of movie characters, who would you pick and why? Mm, okay, uh, Jeremy, Jeremy, since let's you go offered this it, guy, uh, I got to pull my phone out of my pocket that has my answers on it. I absolutely love this question, by the way. <laughs> I spent about soft. two hours thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's my entourage, and I'm assuming that I am a celebrity who's rich, and I don't need to put any money in my entourage to buy me things, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Or, uh-huh. All right, so I've got Paul Metzler from Election. Nice. Yes. Because he's handsome. You Betzler. He's popular. <laughs> <laughs> he can bring us chicks, and he's dumb as a post. Yeah. yeah I can yeah. control him. Yeah. Solid. I've also got John Connor from Terminator 2. Oh. Yeah. Good yeah. with gizmos and gadgets. Mm-hmm. Got a little bit of a criminal larceny streak That's in That's right. He's got yes. some good get 90s slang. Some good adventures. He's got a get stolen ATM card. Yeah. <laughs> well, he can get us out of some jams is all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, I got Toby Maguire or James Lear from Wonder Boys because mm-hmm. he's fucking weird as hell. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll blame everything on him. Mm-hmm. He's the patsy. That's right. Uh, Timberlake in Alpha Dog because in Alpha oh. Dog, I really do think Timberlake is a good good guy who just gets caught up yeah. in a deed gone wrong but really i just want to be friends with timberlake in real life yeah so made it on there so yeah. the and then my mm-hmm. my final entourage member is groot yeah oh, you can't go wrong with groot <laughs> he's adorable and who's gonna fuck with me when that's i have right. a groot in my that's, right. that's a terrific pick right there, there yeah go. there's my uh, there's my entourage okay like, uh, i love that money HBO. i love that's that nice. entourage i love that entourage too yeah. i'm gonna save yours for last because i love your entourage okay go for oh, it so Eric. mine is the first one is lloyd dobler from say anything yeah because i think man that guy will give you emotional support in case you get into like some sticky shit like he's got a kickboxing background yeah yeah so shit could go down with that 
But uh, yeah, I mean, if he commits to you as a friend and a member of your entourage, man, he's that's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'd also take Tom Hagen uh, from yeah. The Godfather, uh, uh, Robert Duvall's character. Uh, I like a guy that has like... I have a specialized practice. I only represent one client. It's uh, loyalty. <laughs> right. And uh, he really uh, puts it on the line for him. Uh, I would also put our first female in there, Becca from Pitch Perfect. Yeah. Oh. Uh, because she's just like smarmy and sarcastic enough and just kind of like above the fray enough to uh, to, to interest me. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's Anna Kendrick. Right. And we all love Anna, well, Anna that, Kendrick. You know, it, it, it's funny that when you mentioned Becca from Pitch Perfect and I was like uh, Anna Kendrick and I'm like, I'm going to be in love with somebody in my entourage. Do I do I want that in my entourage? Yeah, it doesn't well, matter because Duvall's going to steal her away. Yeah, yeah probably, yeah, probably, probably so. Yeah, yeah. Probably or right. Lloyd Dobler, actually. Lloyd Dobler might do yeah, it, actually. He's, he's going to be like with the boombox and everything. Yeah, That's yeah. Really good. But my last one is BB-8 because um, yeah. I think BB-8 nice. is the perfect robot that is, uh, that is definitely- like a pet. In the, yeah, it's a pet. Yeah. And he's got attitude. It gets bonus points because it was technically voiced by Bill Hader. Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and he's uh, yeah he's awesome. So that's, there's my entourage. <laughs> I love that entourage. Um, okay, so mine, uh, we're going to start off with Mark Watney from The Martian. That's a great oh. one. Great one. Here's a guy who can figure some shit out, man. Mm-hmm. I want that guy to be on my entourage because, yeah, like anything. He's also sarcastically funny as hell. Yeah, exactly. And he's got all the pop culture references down and everything. It'd be great. Uh, uh, the next one is Trent Walker from Swingers. Uh-huh. Vince Vaughn. Yeah. If there was anybody made to be in an entourage, <laughs> it's that guy. Seriously. I need someone to tell me that I'm money and I don't even know it. That's yes. what it is. Yes. Um, A lot of babies. That's right. The next one is Zoe Bell from Death Proof, who's playing uh-huh. herself. De- Zoe Bell is a it was a longtime Uma Thurman body double or uh, or like stunt mm-hmm. person, uh, and then. Uh, Tarantino actually starts putting her in like some of his movies as real characters and everything. And in Death Proof, she's amazing. Yeah, she's fantastic in that. Like it's she's got this weird like I don't know sexiness to her that you know it's not like she's she's pretty, but I don't. That's not the thing that's badass sexy. Yeah, that's the thing that doesn't stand out to you. But you need to have a badass, Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna get I'm gonna have a, a badass like that in my entourage. Yeah, and then Primo from Big Night. I'm going to have somebody who can make some fucking amazing food. Excellent. That's a great thing. And, and it's going to be that type of food that's in Big Night. Yeah. So uh, I'm all about that. That's somebody's my got, yeah. Somebody's got to cook. That's right. So that's my entree. It ain't going to be nice me. One. Do you guys have any uh, picks that you would throw in there? I, w- I would take one person. All right. That's it. Uh, John McClane would be the only person Ooh. that I would need. I mean, he can, yeah. he can pick up chicks. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. can run across glass. Uh, I'm never <laughs> have to worry about him being too happy or anything. Uh, and we could just hang out, like, smoke and drink yeah. on the sides. I mean, we, we, we could get through anything. Glass? Nice. Who gives a fuck about glass? <laughs> so me and you went with, like, small entourages. You know, we just need a couple people. Number one, I got to have Leslie Chow. Mm. I mean, he's going to be my party guy. He mm. might give me a little bit of trouble, yeah, but yeah. dude knows how to throw down. Yeah, yeah. But I also need to keep Chow in check. So I'm going to bring John Wick with me. Ooh. Uh, there's going to be some fucking problems. Ooh. You know there will yeah. be. So John's going to keep it down. And when I just need to kind of chill out or I just need my wingman, I'm also went with the Vince Vaughn character. Jeremy Gray from Wedding Crash. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was on my list, yeah. too. That's a great one. Ultimate wingman. Yeah. So. yeah. Good call. Absolutely. These are some great answers. We are all awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was an awesome question. Yeah. And it really question. sort of delivered in on, on that. So. I thought a little too long. It wasn't two hours long, but it was probably a good 30 to 45 I mean, I really <laughs> spent a lot of time on it. I love yeah. this question. 
Next question is, who is a director that you think is extremely underrated as well as a director that you personally think is overrated? Mm-hmm. Okay. You want to keep the order? Overrated. All right, I'll, I'll go through mine first here. Uh, underrated is Doug Lyman. Oh, um, yeah. Now, the thing about Doug Lyman that kind of uh, makes this, uh, I don't know, maybe it's a bad choice, is he had a stretch there where he made Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Not a great movie. Jumper is a terrible movie. Fair game is a yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he has he's got he did swingers he did go mm. he did the born identity and he did the edge of tomorrow which was yeah, the last yeah. he did that's his best movie um and i don't think he really ever gets credit when those movies are awesome uh and and i don't know if there's a discernible style that doug lyman has maybe that's the reason he they, he doesn't really like we talk about James Wan. You can tell what a James Wan movie is every time mm-hmm. he does something. Yeah. Doug Lyman, you can't really tell. No, I mean, yeah, those movies that you just listed were are way different. They, from each they're other. completely different, and like, and it might be just the just that that he doesn't have a discernible style, so he doesn't get credit when those movies are great. But I'm sure he gets all the blame when those movies are bad. Yeah. Um, the overrated director, we mentioned him earlier, and I haven't seen Devil's Backbone, but Guillermo del Toro, I think, is one of the most overrated directors. Mm. I like the movies that I see. I just have never been blown away by them. I know he's like almost a product of like Harry Knowles back in the mid-2000s, basically, because he built this motherfucker up, you know? <laughs> and and like and and I talked about Pan's Labyrinth and how much that kind of like, you know, it didn't it didn't hit me like uh, every critic in the world did. I still liked it. I thought it was visually very good, but you know, stuff like Pacific Rim, that's, you know, he's in Hellboy. Mm. These are these movies that have good stuff in them. They just never great to me. And he, he feels like Tim Burton to me a lot of times, a lot of visuals, but not real good storytelling and all that. And, and I need to see Devil's Backbone, and I need to see it's a couple of other stuff, other so it's stuff. much like, better. Uh, didn't he do Kronos, too? That was yes. another one that's, uh, that yeah. people talk about. Um, so, yeah, that those would be my, my two. Well, you mentioned my pick for overrated. I think Did Tim, I? I think Tim Burton is way oh, overrated. Yeah. Uh, even though he's taken some hits over the last, starting with 2001's Planet of the Apes, yeah. actually, which thankfully we didn't mention until now. <laughs> uh, but he's been kind of on a downward spiral until, you know, the kind of mixed reviews for the Miss Peregrine movie. Uh, but I think just in general, like he started off so strong and so promising and everything that it just really became way overrated. He became too dependent on that style uh, where there's not that substance to what was in his early movies. I'm going to say something that's never been said before. All right. <gasps> Tim Burton is the Jeff Fisher of directors. Oh! Now, if anybody's not a sports fan, they have no idea what they you're talking about. They have no about. idea. But that is dead on. <laughs> Jeff Fisher had a successful successful way of playing football as a coach that he continues today eight and eight every year eight 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 right for the middle that's but right always whenever like he's never in jeopardy even if he gets yeah. fired in los angeles someone's gonna hire someone that. will yeah. hire him because he has a resume that's like look at all these wins yeah you know <laughs> you forgot all those losses yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's even steven there yeah and then for my underrated i'm gonna put ben stiller on there because ben stiller there's two things about it. First of all, I think he makes really funny movies. We've talked about the cable guy Ed Nauseam. We talked about some of his other things, but um, there's there's that, and he's good at it. But the, the other thing is that actors 
typically don't get the credit that they deserve for being great directors. I mean, it took Ben Affleck uh, forever to be recognized as, as an actual competent director, let alone a really good one. Uh, Mel Gibson was was kind of the same one until like Braveheart really hit you in the gut. So I think Ben Stiller makes makes really good movies overall, and he's he's definitely underrated. Yeah, good call. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so I'm going to go with the guy who's not really making movies anymore today, but I just love talking about this little bit of trivia. I'm going to go with Phil Alden Robinson. Yeah. Uh, a man who's made, I think, six movies in total. Mm-hmm. Uh, but three of them were Field of Dreams, Sneakers, and the Ben Affleck starring The Sum of All Fears, yeah. um, which I actually quite like. Um, to have such a small resume um, and have 50% of it be really good mm-hmm. uh, is, is impressive. But nobody knows who this guy is, right? You say the, na- you say the word Field of Dreams... So- Somebody's going to know in public what you're talking about. Oh, it's that movie with Kevin Costner. Everybody's probably seen it at least once. We talk about sneakers like crazy on this podcast, mm-hmm. and yeah. now a lot of our fans are starting to take to it. Nobody can name the director, and it's the same guy that did both of those. Yeah. Yeah. And then he takes like a 10-year break and makes a, a Tom Clancy movie. Like, yeah. Just fascinating <laughs> to me. Uh, and then overrated, I'm going with Eastwood, baby. Mm. Yeah. Um, mm. I can't remember the last time a Clint Eastwood directed movie um, – Ended up as good as I was told it was going to be. Interesting. From the trailers and the every every single one of them hits me the exact same. It's pretty much dead on because and and the reason I think the reason why you feel that way is that Eastwood came from television mm. and you know it was basically like all right we're going to rehearse this thing we're going to do it in one take and then we're going to go on to yeah. the next thing <laughs> very mechanical. And you feel that every time you watch those movies, there's just kind of sort of like there wasn't a room to grow with this, was mm-hmm. there? You just kind of want to just do this movie and move on and everything. I'm sure that's the way that Sully movie is. Well, and his movies still get p- propped up for Oscars and awards consideration. Uh, top actors all still want to work with him. Yeah. And I'm I'm just like, you guys... They're not watching these movies he's making. So that, that's my pick. I don't mm-hmm. think the guy's terrible, but uh, way overrated. Yeah. Do you guys have any picks? Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as underrated, uh, we've name dropped a couple people already, uh, but I would say uh, Adam Wingard, uh, mm. who actually was one of the directors on Blair Witch. Not a great example, uh, <laughs> but he also made this movie called The Guest, uh, which is on yeah. Netflix right now, which yeah. is a kick-ass movie. And it's one of those uh, jobs that you watch, you're like, hmm, we're probably not going to keep this guy in the genre for very long. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's a, he's a super talented guy. Uh, as far as overrated, honestly, I don't know how to pronounce his name, so sorry. Uh, but Nicholas Winding Refn. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah I know yeah. you're talking about, yeah. Um, from uh, Drive and Only yeah. God Forgives and the Neon Demon. It's kind of like a Del Toro for you. Like, mm-hmm. the dude's talented. Like, I'm not going to say he's, you know, not talented. Uh, super talented, really. But the amount of people that just lose their fucking minds over anything he does just yeah. blows me away. I, I don't get it. Yeah, he's a very, like, slow type of director. You have to kind of just kind of be in a different kind of mood to watch his movies yeah. a yeah, lot of times. Yeah. Drive's <laughs> probably his best. And then after that, you got stuff like Valhalla Rising and, right, and stuff right. like that, where you're just kind of like, wow. It's not bad. Yeah, I mean, it's visually stunning, and yeah. well, I don't know what's going on, though. And it kind of sucks. Anyway. So I, too, tried to keep mine in the horror genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's hard to say most underrated horror director, because normally when they do get good, they're gone. Mm-hmm. So I kind of cheated a little bit and just said maybe somebody I'm kind of excited for. Uh, me and Luke both love this movie. Most everyone else is kind of wishy-washy on it. But Brian O'Malley, who directed Let Us Pray, mm. it's actually his first feature, feature-length feature film. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. Like Even if you don't like the movie, 
Everything is framed very deliberately. The lighting, I mean, the whole nine. It's a beautiful, beautiful film. And it's got Sir Davos in it. Right. And it's got one of the the craziest examples of just a tiny little hint here. And then if you dig with that little hint, there is this insane subplot that's, Mm. it's there, but you would never know unless you just kind of really pay attention to how he's framing things. Mm -hmm. So. I, I like that in my director. It's funny We're trying to watch Let Us Pray and Baskin back to back because yeah, it's yeah. all about cops and yeah. and, and yeah. basically punishing them for their as sins. As much as I like Baskin, I like Let Us Pray more. Yeah, so. no, Let Us Pray is a better movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and here's where the like ten to fifteen actual horror fans that are listening right now, I lose them, but maybe lose Luke a little bit too. He's a, <laughs> he might disagree with me a little bit. But Eli Roth. Motherfucker! Yes! <laughs> no, I'm with you on this yeah, one. Yeah, Eli Roth is I'm the same yeah. always yeah, so yeah, right. Yeah, it's definitely. not that I don't hate his movies. They look good. I just don't get the point in them all the time. It's it's weird. And I feel like he often loses the direction of what the film's Didn't supposed to be. Didn't he make Green Inferno? Yeah, and see, that's the thing. It, like, it turned up to be this weird comedy kind of thing. And it's like, thought you were making a weird cannibal movie. He but... came on Reddit and did an AMA before that movie came out to promote yeah. it. And... Sorry in advance, Mr. Roth. I don't know you personally. He came <laughs> off like a total... He and came off not prick? well in yeah. that Ask yeah. Me Anything mm-hmm. thread, where he was very comfi- confident in that everything he did was awesome. Yeah. And that's part and, of my problem, I think. Yeah, well, and, and he has a core fan base that oh, eats his shit up the way you were yeah. talking about with this other guy, and I don't get it. I'm try- I, Can you blame him, though? I, I wonder what it's like to be Eli Roth, where you have made... You make, like, one movie, and Quentin Tarantino salivates yep. all yeah. over you yeah and then says hey come and help me with this death proof grindhouse stuff and all that let's be friends be and all in my nazi movie yeah be yeah. in glorious <laughs> bastards all this other stuff that has to blow you up pretty much in your mind <laughs> that doesn't mean that no. i can't rag on him for staying there. no you no i <laughs> right, right. i'm i'm abs i absolutely agree with what you're saying i just i, I sit there and i i look at eli roth i'm like Imagine being that guy, yeah. you know, <laughs> made one movie and suddenly Tarantino's your best bud, you know, yeah, seriously. you know, and, that would be awesome. Man. Yeah, exactly. So it's, I totally agree with that. It's interesting to hear you guys talk about it. Cause like you were saying like Andrew Wingo, like we're not going to keep him in our genre for yeah. a while in that. Yep. Like, do you feel like possessive, like a basketball player, like, like yes. on your team and you're like, you, Oh you no, would, this guy's going to be a super free yeah, agent. You would love to, else. you would love to be like, no, 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 you have to, you have to stay here, man. You, you can't go anywhere, but it's just not the reality of the thing. <laughs> Whenever we have people on the show, I mean, that's inevitably one of the questions that we ask. So yeah. like, what, what are you, uh, what are you doing next? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're gone, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, that is going to be the Sincast for this week. We'd like to thank Luke Rodriguez and Jacob Hopkins from yeah. Modern Horrors for coming today. Woo. Thank you guys, and uh, and just go on and see their stuff. They got a they got a three pronged attack with that YouTube <laughs> podcast and website I thing. Someone with a trident. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's correct. But uh, thank them for coming uh, today. But uh, uh, keep going to SoundCloud, telling you telling us what you think about the episodes and everything we enjoy your feedback but uh this is chris atkinson jeremy scott barrett share luke rodriguez and jacob hopkins we'll see you next time thanks for listening comment on our episodes on our soundcloud page check us out on youtube twitter facebook and reddit and be sure to visit cinemasins.com We're going to put the sin in this CinemaSin podcast.
There's a lot of sinning in this room. You might have heard us say the phrase "pop the cherry" on this studio. That doesn't mean what you think it does. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! When you first asked if we'd want to be on, I was like, "Yeah, yeah," and then I got thinking, I was like, "Oh shit!" Me and Luke have like unfiltered, filthy mouths. Yeah. At the time, and I was like. Let me just verify, and I listened to like the latest episode at that particular time. Yeah, I go, you're, oh, okay. You're, yeah, 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 I'm good. yeah, you're good. I was like, <laughs> I gotta go pretty hard. Shit, yeah, Thomas. I was like, Damn. yeah. Um, yeah, we we were at the beginning of all this. We were like, let's not swear too much, <laughs> and then suddenly that became uh, untenable. There was a swear episode. <laughs> yeah. so we got there I, I think I think we started that way as well. But then the first time that uh, I think we referred to an asshole as a balloon knot, I think everything <laughs> I think everything changed from there. We have uh, an upcoming <laughs> joke. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to talk about the apple and its two buttholes joke that we oh had. My oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, right. oh, my God. That's right. That is and correct. And now I'll never see an apple <laughs> the same. But, well, the, it's uh, it's uh, Da Vinci Code, right? <laughs> and so the whole movie, they're talking about this orb, and at the end, they reveal it's an apple. And so I wrote oh, no. this way over the top. An apple is not an orb. It has a top butthole and a bottom butthole. <laughs> the bottom butthole has four knuckles, and the top butthole <laughs> oh, is a stem. No. But it Man. is not an orb. Da Vinci Code. <laughs> da Vinci Code is going to be one of the most outrageous videos we've ever done. <laughs> that shit is bonkers. Yeah. It's a crucifixion joke. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, I can't believe Jeez. I wrote it. I can't believe you guys kept it in. Yeah, but I basically said, "Be crucified" would be preferable to watching this movie. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. I, it's a little flower, more flowery than that. Yeah. You don't have to put on that red light. Just a boy.